1: The boys in white and blue, and we're back with another episode of There's Still Time, the AFTN Soccer Show, broadcasting on CITR Radio 101.9 FM from the unceded Musqueam territory at the University of beautiful and very wet, and in some places snowy, <laughs> British Columbia. I'm Michael McCall, and I'm Zachary Adamisenarman. How was the weather? For you the last couple of days, Zach. Did you get snow out in the sticks? Did we get snow? Of course we did. We got none here. Not not even chubby rain. Oh, It was weird, because then I saw in the news all this snow that had fallen, and I saw like the pitches were getting covered all over the place, from youth teams, games were cancelled, and I was like, ah, well, I hope everyone stayed safe anyway. And if you're chilly in these conditions, we will warm you up with another wonderful couple of hours of football chat here on the podcast, we're gonna be talking Whitecaps, we're gonna be talking Major League Soccer, we're gonna be talking the Canadian Women's National Team, the goodbye to the Goat, lot of other fun things thrown in. We'll have three more songs from our festive fifteen from 2023. All that is to come. Before we get to that, how has your week been, Zach?
2: I was gonna say it was a pretty busy week of work. And then I'm like, uh, I took off like after. I was week. gonna say I thought you were off Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. <laughs> I took no, not Wednesday. I took I took off I took off after the week. To- I took off Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Ah, um, to get ready for the farewell match. Uh, so no, it's been a busy football week. Uh, and then of course I was in Victoria last last weekend for the oh, of course yeah for, for that one. So it was like five days of non-stop football stuff. Um, so it was it was a great week in many ways. Anyways, uh, and it's but, a busy month for you in general, uh, it is. Yes, yeah. I was t- tonight, I had we had some gatherings going on, uh, one during the day and then one this evening. That was, uh, they're really fun and enjoyable. But my biggest letdown of my week is I did not get to hang out with you and Philippe. Yes, and Philippe. I was
1: gonna say, you missed the AFTN Christmas party sponsored by Vancouver FC, it was, it was very <laughs> nice of them to do that. I, I'll. I was, uh, as you would say,
2: I was out uh, filling the sack with presents for uh, my 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 children and my family. Was, yeah, when I mean, you told
1: me you were in South Delta, I was like, "Yeah, you're not getting, you're not getting to where yeah, we are at,
2: by 3.30. thirty." Traffic was an issue. There was one other issue, but I'll I'll tell you about that one later. There was oh. one other one other small issue.
1: Well, hopefully, you got my presents. So that's the main thing. <laughs> that Actually, laugh makes me feel I, no. <laughs> you you sent me a present no i i your present is here and all wrapped for once see yours is not this year ah
2: it that's gonna make abort. our
1: christmas unwrapping fun yeah well you we just take a we never do, do it on christmas do we it's been like no four, I, th- I thought this year we would uh, uh but we don't I, have I, steve we, there's only two of us to kind of like herd together hey, we do have steve well yeah he he isn't dead yeah <laughs> Yeah, he, he, Which, uh, People, he actually, yeah. yeah, people have been asking where Steve is. He's just been taking a bit of time off, uh, some personal time this year. We spoke to him a couple of weeks yeah. ago. He might make some sporadic appearances in 2024. We'll see how things go.
2: Yeah, hopefully more than sporadic. But yeah, it was really good to talk to him. And Yeah, he just wanted a
1: bit of a break from social media, from podcasts, football.
2: I think people are listening to this, Michael, and they'll be like, I could not understand how someone would want a break from the two of you.
1: Yeah, Caitlin tells me that all the time. <laughs> Back to Christmas stuff. I never asked you this last week. I I love advent calendars. Mm. Went a little bit nuts last year. I had a couple of chocolate ones. I had a jam one, a cheese one. Um, What else did we have? We had a coffee one. So I've reined it in a bit this year and we've just got four. And only three of them are food. (laughs) So we've got two chocolate ones. A good quality chocolate one and an after eight one. Because to me, after eight, as Christmas, that and a Terry's chocolate orange. It's,
2: it, um, I always say it's always after eight sometime, whether it's after eight it, in the morning or Yeah, 8 exactly.
1: <laughs> you can eat it whenever you want. That's right. um, I've got a nice hot chocolate uh, event calendar that I got from England this year with actual proper chocolate nibs and stuff. It's very, very good. 24 different flavors as well. It might put me off... Indulging in the hot chocolate festival a little bit in January. I might be over my hot chocolate stuff by that point. And we also got a jigsaw advent calendar this year.
2: What?
0: So every day you get
1: a piece of the puzzle? Yep, 42 pieces every day over the 24 days, and you you build this big
2: jigsaw. It's awesome. We're really, really enjoying it. I enjoy puzzles, as you know. So that's kind of... of, I haven't done one forever, but that'd be kind of cool.
1: Well, we hadn't done jigsaws for ages, and then we went down to Oregon in September, and the place that we booked was meant to have a TV. Well, they did have a TV, but they didn't have cable. So they had tons of puzzles, so we ended up just doing loads of puzzles there. And finding that lots of their puzzles were missing pieces, which is that I have one now of the most re-
2: frustrating things in the it world. It
1: is, but it won't be for the other <laughs> folk as I scrawled over the box, missing two pieces, and circled the pieces that were missing. You're so helpful. Helpful or annoyed? But we also <laughs> we also got uh, some money back because we were meant to have cable TV as well, and I complained. So
2: well, and and did you say what about the missing pieces? No, <laughs> I should have done that.
1: But yeah, do you have any advent calendars for this year?
2: I usually do four Lego Advent calendars. Oh. But this year we haven't because I've I been did so look busy. at the Lego ones in the past. The Star Wars Marvel. This year this year we were getting Star Wars Marvel and Liza wanted the friends one because there's some animals in it that she wanted. But I we actually haven't gotten any of them yet. I still might get some of them. I have the uh, the kids have chocolate ones. They're not good chocolate, they're just like whatever normal milk chocolate. They're not fancy like you. I have a special advent calendar. I haven't started yet because I think it's only got twelve, so I've just left it. I think I started ah. this this week. It's um. Do you remember the game I got you last year? That wrestling game? Yeah. It's a it's a mar. It's for that game, and it's a Marvel version. It's a Guardians of the Galaxy uh, uh, advent calendar.
1: Oh, interesting. I've seen a lot of like twelve day ones. that's uh, like it's it's twelve annoying. days of socks. That's, like no, yeah. twenty four. Come on. Yeah. I, when I was a kid, you used to get twenty five. I I, I used to get something on Christmas Day, which the one that we've got for Annie, our dog, it has 25, so she's going to get a a nice treat on Christmas Day.
2: I I really, I still might go and maybe try and find one if I still can. I I really, Cheryl used to get this for her dad every year, is the jam one.
1: Yes, we got that one last year, the Bon Marche.
2: I don't know if it's that company, but it, there was oh, a jam. It was movie. really
1: yeah. good. Yeah. But by the end of the 25 days, it's like, I don't want any more jam. It's like, what's your favorite jam? Don't mention jam.
2: Well, that's the thing, though. If you if you have too much jam, you don't have to have it every day. You can just be like, oh, I got blueberry today. I'm going to keep that for when I'm craving blueberry, you know? Mm.
1: You were like, you have to eat it every day. Interesting plan. No, no we, we, did. <laughs> we, we did. It's called like self-control. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, we did. If you want to talk about self-control... Cadbury's have an Advent dairy milk bar where you're only meant to have one square of the dairy milk a day. Yeah, that sounds crazy. I do not see me doing that, so I've never bought that one. Yeah. But let us know if you've got any, because I know you get beer ones and cider ones. and I've seen those. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I'd I'd looked for a Dickens cider, but I couldn't get one of those for like 24 days. (laughs) I'm old now, but I don't think I've got the stamina for that, to be honest. But if you've my, got any interesting advent calendars <laughs> that you've got, let us know. How did I know you? Were it take, it on Twitter.
2: take it there. <laughs> my 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 friend my friend Newton just uh, subscribed to the podcast on Spotify today. Oh, so he'll just, be unsubscribing say, man, now.
1: <laughs> I just say, Newton, if you're listening to this, I'm, I'm so sorry. Does he have a 24 day fig advent calendar? No. <laughs> Or does an apple no. fall on his head every day? No. No. That's an interesting one. Let, let's move away from Advent Calendar talk. So it is a, a week of parties. not just the AFTN Christmas party. It's a big party as we celebrate Vancouver Whitecaps' 50th anniversary. It's their golden jubilee, December 11th, 1973. The Whitecaps were born... Look how they have grown. It's a historic anniversary year coming up for the Whitecaps. Next year, it'll be the 50th year since that first NASL season. But a hotel on Davies Street in Vancouver, December 11th, 1973. Denny Veach and Herb Kaposi addressed a packed room to announce that they were bringing an NASL side back to Vancouver... The last team had been in 1968 in the North American Soccer League, the Vancouver Royals, and it was coming back to Vancouver. They had 145 days to get everything ready, get a coach, get a place to play, get offices. They did it. The season kicked off. The rest is history. We will be celebrating the Whitecaps' 50th anniversary season all of next year in 2024. I'll give you a few precursors of things that you can look forward to during that time as well but we're going to do a musical thing like we did for 1979 where every week we're going to play a song from that week in 1974 going to get some interviews with some of the people from 1974 that are still around we'll be running a lot of things on the website as well I've got the very first program as well that was issued for the Whitecaps first game Back in May 74 And if you check AFTN.ca Right now We have got an article up there Celebrating the 50th anniversary Of that announcement And it's going to be a fun year ahead And hopefully the Whitecaps do a lot To honour that anniversary as well I'm pretty sure they will And talking about parties It's been party time For Columbus as well Hmm. What a result for Columbus. 6-1 against Metro Ford and the (laughs) VMLS Premier on Friday night. And I I went to Burnaby Lake to film that game. And because our Christmas party had overrun slightly and I got stuck in traffic coming home, I missed the first couple of minutes of the game. How many goals? Well... I got there, and I saw good friend, Patty Isaac, former white cap, love Patty, scoring a beautiful goal from about 25 yards out, chipping the keeper, and I was like, oh, wish I'd got that on video. Walked past this lady that was sitting in the bleachers, went, that's one now I take it. And she's like, no, it's (laughs) 2. I was like, what? She's like, yeah, we haven't even played five minutes yet. I was like, wow. Walked up to the bleachers, put my bag down bent over, unzipped it, got my camera out, third goal goes in. <laughs> I'm like, what is going on here? Is that, um,
2: okay, I, I know you posted a bunch of games recently. Does that mean you didn't
1: post that? Missed... I, I did not get any of the first oh, okay. three goals. I thought, I'll start, I'll get whatever there is left. Bent down to get a drink as goal number four went in during the first half, and I thought, you know what, I just won't, I won't bother filming this game. I'm just going to watch this one. <laughs> I'll just watch the first half. There's another game starting in in a few minutes on the other pitch, so I went and filmed that one instead, which finished as a 4-1 win for Reno's Tigers. And a lot of Altitude FC guys playing for Reno's, and my tip for next year is watch Altitude because some of these guys are on fire in VMSL right now. I, I need to get out to watch an Altitude
2: game. It's, oh, on my list it's, of, it's on my list of things to do in 2024.
1: It's a beautiful place to watch oh, the games. are, you, are, you, are going have doing, a good team this year. Are you doing all other games? Hopefully. It all, all right. depends what direction now the league takes because Dino Rossi, all the right. big news this week, has <gasps> yes. decided to to move away from his job at League One. I'd spoken him the week before, trying to get him on the pod. He says, let's wait till January. Now I know why. I know why, <laughs> yeah. Hopefully he, he can is, still come on and talk to us, but... Yeah, are you taking over League One Canada? Or were you... They are looking for a GM just now and it's open for applications. Have
2: you submitted it? Or...
1: Well, you'd be based in Toronto. If it was based here, I'd be all over that.
2: Oh, you don't want to move for that. No,
1: It'd be amazing. I don't think I'm fully qualified. My direction of where I would like the league to go, like, I'd met East Fife into it, for one thing. <laughs> I I think I might be frowned upon and the away trips could bankrupt some of the teams, but. We'll see. But no, it was party time in Columbus because yellow swag, yellow boots. Yeah, please don't. Don't finish this, please. <laughs> please. This Sean Barnes will show. be happy. This is, this is not our last show, is it? <laughs> no. I, I don't see what's wrong with playing that song in full. I haven't written the song.
2: I, I... I... It makes me uncomfortable. If, I, if it's a song, if it, if I remember the song
1: correctly, it makes me uncomfortable. Let's move on. Sean Bands, Columbus Crew. Check the song out. Not suitable for work, is what we're probably saying. But yeah, the 2023 MLS champs have been crowned. Columbus Crew beat defending champions LAFC 2-1 to win their third MLS championship. They deserved it too. The better team. LAFC looked out of sorts in that first half. Certainly made a game of it in the second half. It was a very entertaining second half, I thought. But the crew deserved that one, Zach.
2: It was it it was hard in one sense because last year's final was so incredible. Mm. It was yeah, the best ever last year. So when you're coming up against that uh, j- just to thing. clarify
1: as well uh, that that's not because you you like Max Cripo. that's not why you felt it was the best final ever
2: no I'm talking about the football yeah
1: okay just oh yeah
2: um so it's, it's always hard when you, you're you having to follow up and act like that or whatever but yeah I thought it was I thought it was really good I uh I couldn't watch the game live but it was on this um this little known station um to to TSN oh and- toss tossing oh yeah it's awesome so i pvr'd it and i watched it uh on there later
1: that's nice that they're jumping on the football
2: bandwagon yeah. this week yeah it seems this week they've been paying for, to show football it's kind of mm. nice um so it was nice to watch it on the pvr it's always a yeah. little bit easier in my, in my opinion yes I, and it is uh i can fast forward garber all that kind of stuff
1: um <laughs> I actually I didn't watch him live, but I watched it at the end. I was very curious if he was going to say anything different to his still, state of the league stuff. Yeah, but
2: yeah, I still have it on the BBR. But no, um, as I was watching it, um, and I remember the first half hour, like before the, the 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 first major incident, I guess, of the game. Uh, I was just like, wow, like, Colum- Columbus is really taking this to them, like, yes. even more so than I thought they they would or could as the home team that was just like they are really controlling this match and really have lafc who has uh, an extremely quality side and a number of weapons they're really dominating them and i was i was a a little a little bit surprised I, i didn't think like lafc was gonna go in there and like it was gonna be a cakewalk or anything like that but i thought the match was gonna be a little bit more back and forth a little bit more balanced a little bit more um you know, kind of opportunities, like, you know, spells here, spells there, spells going this way, spells going that way, and it was, and it was not like that in the opening half no. hour. It although
1: like... I did predict the crew to win 2-1 on last week's show. I would give myself a pat on the back, but I have actually trapped a nerve in my shoulder blade, and I can't get round to pat myself in the back. Oh, i so I've been sorry. sleeping really weirdly, my neck and my shoulder when I woke up this morning. I don't know what I've done to it. But yeah, the crew just took the game. They clearly wanted that early goal. Kucho got it in the thirty-third. Yeboah four minutes later. The fans jubilant mood. It, it was it was great to see. It's a fan base that's obviously been through a lot, and it's nice to see. It's also nice to see like one of the OGs still doing it in the league and not just well, no, all these well, up and comers. Was that number four for them or number no, three? It was the third third, third MLS okay. Cup. Yeah. So yeah, I remember all three of theirs now. Then okay, yeah. Um, I mean, they, they had the chances to put it to bed as well. Uh, yes, they did. Basanga made it interesting for LA in the 74th. But, they, I mean, they, they deserved it from start to finish. When LA got that equaliser, though, I did think, oh, this is, they're going to go on. Or Not the equaliser. When they made it 2 1, I thought yeah. they're going to go on and get the equaliser. And extra time was looming because it felt like Columbus was getting really nervous at yes. that point. Yeah, and I thought, are LA gonna do to Columbus what Columbus just did the week before to Cincinnati? But no, I mean they they held on. You saw the scenes at the end; what it meant to everyone, it was fantastic.
2: Yeah, it was it was good. I yeah, you, I know you were joking before. I am I am I very much like Maxime Cripo. Uh, as no, much I, as I do
1: as well as we we have mentioned on on the show.
2: As much as he was a kid growing up in Montreal, who was you know hung out with UMO too, and you know. Uh, I've cheered against him lots <laughs> lots over over the years. Um no, I he is a a great story of Canadian football. I know obviously people locally in Vancouver uh still have frustration over how he departed the club and that's totally totally valid. Um but last year, I mean, he played a massive role in living out what he was the reason why he left Vancouver mm-hmm. and uh was was helped them win that game. Obviously, you know, uh the McCart- McCarty came in and played played a massive yeah role I mean he ever, was, but...
1: he was excellent and he had, he had a good start to the year and then Max has come back no, but yeah to see he Max from come him back, a few weeks back and, and talked about to, his journey
2: yeah and get get to the level again, I think is incredible and if you if you love Canada and want to see the Canadian men's national team try and regain that you know twenty twenty two world Cup qualifying form,
1: yeah, you uh, need him Max, to be in good form.
2: I, I think Maxine Crepeau is a, hopefully a step towards that as being I mean, the starting keeper for Canada. And I know for some people, it's very easy to differentiate club football and, and national football. And for others, it's more more difficult. Mm. Um, but...
1: Um, and I, I do get that. I genuinely do get the hate. I know we, we've spoke about Max a lot on the show and I get why Whitecaps fans hate him. It, it, it just left a horrible taste in the mouth, the way that he left and then subsequent things that, that came out. Talking of another Canadian, though, that did lift the mm-hmm. MLS Cup, Mo yeah. Farsi. And another great story. Like th- third week in a row we've been speaking about Mo, but got the start again over Gressel. Yeah, I Grisso. really thought Gressel would start after yeah, the Cincinnati game. Exactly, after he contributed so much. Yeah, the, the fact that he didn't, I think, says everything now. Yeah, well, then he was gone anyway. They knew he was gone. Yeah. But now he, yeah, it's yeah. But that I mean that it was a bit ballsy by by Nancy to do that. But I, I've seen lots of stuff floating about. It, has Farsi played himself to be a starter for the national team going forward? I think he's uh, not quite at that yet as a regular starter. But well, I don't know. I don't know about starter, but getting in there, yeah, I definitely think, in the mix.
2: Yeah, which is great. Which is they need
1: that. Yeah, uh, and they need that. I think in that position. And then the non-seed chatter, as we talked about last week, to take over the national team has sparked up again. I I don't know that he would want to go and do that at this stage of his career. His stock is so high. Yeah, yeah. Like He could go over to Europe. He could stay with the crew and see what he can do with them.
2: I don't don't know him well, but I can't see him saying, oh, that's what I want to do next. Mm. I, I think there's one thing we need to mention here, Michael. Is uh, I don't think I'd ever th- thought that I would see aside win the MLS Cup
1: with a Rudy Camacho in the ranks. Yes, D- I, do you know I was watching the game and he made a good play, and I was like, all the jokes we've made about Rudy Camacho, he has shown what a good player worth, he yeah. is with Columbus. Cool.
2: Well, again I, I think it's not just him I think it's having a Nancy who knows him yeah and knows wh- how to use best utilize him to get the most out of him to maybe l- limit some of his liabilities uh so yeah, half a, hats off to Nancy for that hats off to Rudy for playing a mass or a, a significant role in in Columbus this season mm-hmm. and yeah I, I just I, I couldn't not mention it because it was no. watching the game. I, was, I was watching the game yeah. and I saw him I was yeah. just like I was like, oh yeah,
1: come on. Yeah, I I want to give a a hat tip to the referee, Armando Villarreal. I thought he did a decent job. Got s- some very good calls. Start the second half. There was that tackle by Vela, and he let the play go on, which nearly led to the third goal, which would have put the game to bed. Now a lot of refs would have stopped it there and then. When I first saw it, I thought, well, that's going to be a red for Vela. But when I see it back, it's like, no. Nah, it, it, was a yellow. And we'll talk about Vela in a sec. There were some good calls and non-penalties as well. A couple of little things slipped by, which is kind of happened for every referee. I mean, arguably a penalty for Columbus, I felt, in stoppage time. But I, if it was my team, I'd be screaming for it. If I was the opposition, I'd be like, no, 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 no. I'd be a soft one. but
2: uh, Yeah, and I think aside... Aside from this not being like a game that was in like New York City or Miami or whatever, I also think this is really great for there's some real great stories to tell about this for the league like you mm-hmm. already said it's one of the original teams. It's a team that was dying it was going to die it was it was it was like uh you know um uh, dead dead man walking right like <laughs> its time was up and it got saved a new ownership comes in. Um, does ma- amazing things. Obviously, they won two cups in the last few years, or yeah. whatever. And le- let's let's
1: t- also point out as well how much impact the fans rally totally. did as well. Totally. not just saved. It's like the fans saved their team. Ex- exactly, and and
2: a part of the the saving of the team and the long term plan was to build this new stadium. I was telling, I was telling, talking to Kirk. I was like, Kirk, uh, you, uh, what do you think of the stadium? He's like, Oh, you know, this looks, you know, this is nice, or that's, you know, this is different, whatever. I was like, Kirk, do you know that Columbus, Columbus, Ohio, Kirk, was home to the first soccer-specific stadium in the United States back when MLS launched in 1996, coming out of the '94 World Cup. He's like, no Dad, I didn't know that. And he said, "Stop calling it soccer." Um, but, um, but he's like, "Oh no!" He's like, "I was like, yeah." I was like, "The stadium It was way out in the middle of nowhere." I said, "It was a little." I said, "It was a little, a little like." A little bit like where we go to watch
1: football now, where there's no roof.
2: It's a little <laughs> bit out in the summer. <laughs>
1: Except the Vancouver FC scoreboard hasn't caught fire. Yes, I, not, well, not yet. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, but still, still time. Still time. <laughs>
2: um, but, um, but no, it's just like yeah, it's just like so. They built this nice stadium. The location, I think, is. I don't know the geography super well, but I think the location is better. But it has a
1: roof, and it's it's taking. It's, it's another one of those enclosed stadiums where you're right on the pitch. That exactly. I love, and I, it's another. I was watching that as well, and I was like, oh, to have that here. I also liked as well, like. It was just over 22,000. So it's an intimate yeah. stadium as well. And it's kind of nice that you've got that. Yeah. yeah, they could have sold it out probably two, three times over. I, I don't know if you saw the this stuff during the week. Uh, the, a code had been gone out to Columbus Crew season ticket holders and it had been compromised and put out and it was getting shared by LAFC fans so they could buy tickets and stuff. So they had to cancel all the orders and then redo it and stuff.
2: Oh, no, I didn't see that.
1: Yeah, because the LA fans were just wanting to get there in, in numbers. Well, oh, and the, they, the, and they the ones have. that that could do stuff, which we'll come to in a sec. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, there's, there's so many good stories. Patrick Schulte, 22-year-old goalkeeper, mm-hmm. a year ago lifting the MLS Knicks Pro Championship. And there's a, a few guys like Mo Farsi he didn't play in the final, but he was on that team last year yeah. and... Uh, russell rowe as well as that was another one and they've, they've just they've done so much and they've built so much and it, it was it was just a great story all around and let's talk about one of the one of the great moments
2: that everyone can agree on that was just nice
1: i'm gonna guess don garber getting booed out of the building
2: I, I think so. Like, who does who didn't enjoy that?
1: It was so loud. I mean, Phil Marks in a way to Garber, in the he kept going with what he was saying and wasn't put off.
2: Yeah, and he's a pro. He's a pro at that. Yeah, like, full I agree with you. I'm full, sure he's.
1: I'm sure he used it by now. But they were unrelenting and very much deserved. And oh yeah, it was fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, that was quite nice. Talking to Garber, we'll be speaking in part three about his uh, State of the League address and the the main things that kind of came out of that. One thing I don't like that they do here uh, in North America is they give the trophy to the owner and hand it to the captain. Yeah. It just never sits comfortably. And I know in this case it's a little bit different because these owners saved the club and you quite like these owners, but... It should never go to the owner. It should go to the player.
2: Yeah, I, I agree. There's, I think there's been one or two clubs that have done that. Like the owner's yeah. been there. He's like, no, give it to the to the, to the, the captain. I can't remember who did that. I'm sure there's been someone who's done that in MLS. But yeah, I mean, and that also comes out of... It's a North American tradition. That's how they yeah, do it. Yeah, yeah. Whatever. So I, 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 do I, get I don't that like it. Well. I
1: just, yeah, I don't yeah. like
2: it. I don't like it, but I under, at least understand it. And I mean, can you... So can you imagine... The, the vancouver whitecaps i guess they would just go to mallet then right well Kirk, i was thinking the same thing
1: because I, I, I was like are they gonna be like who's this guy that's getting the trophy <laughs>
2: <laughs> you saw you you saw obviously today steve nash came out of hiding uh, whitecaps uh hibernation there no in, i didn't you didn't see he was down with vanny and uh axel in uh in arizona you didn't see this it was all over no, oh no? no i did not oh dude yeah he there's a photo of vanny axel and Nash down at the Combine or whatever they're at.
1: Oh. And everyone's
2: like, oh, hanging tough. And uh, Andrew Delbar was making jokes about like- like, I've
1: not been on Twitter today.
2: Oh, yeah. Andrew was like, oh, it would be awkward if like Nash didn't know who these two guys were.
1: (laughs) 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 Because he hasn't been around. It'd be even better if Vannis like, who's this guy? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) LAFC. Let's- have a quick chat about them just to end this part. I mean, like what now for LaFC? Because Carlos Vela is rumored to be his last game. Chiellini as well could be his last game. Vela hasn't scored for fifteen matches now. He hasn't scored since August. I knew he was on a a bad streak, but until they mentioned that in the game, I was like, whoa. Did he? I think he, did he score when I was there? I think he did. That might have been his last goal then that you saw. I gotta check that. I gotta look that up. Oh. But he, I mean, he looked out of sorts in this game as well. The the Chiellini one, I I was having thoughts about that. Now, he he did show his age a little bit in some of the, the games down the stretch, but he also showed the importance of experience and stuff. I'd said before, I would still take him here in some kind of role in Vancouver to help the younger guys. What then also crossed my mind is... I wonder what the chances would be of Vanny speaking to him and saying, would you like to come to Vancouver for a year in a non-playing role? What? Like to help grow the game in the Italian community in the city. Oh, right, right. Yeah, I, maybe. I think that'd be a fantastic thing for him. Yeah. It would... Yeah. I basically it would just want be. him here so we can get him in the show loads because I love him. I love talking to him. Villa did score on August 23rd when so I was you, at the, you may have seen his last ever goal
2: maybe really.
1: history in the making
2: it was a, it was, it was a fun night
1: I, I will get down to game there at some point uh, when I do get down I mean I've always wanted to go down because I, I feel the 32-52 supporters group are so good I love they, all they their are, demonstrations their quality. Their quality. Oh, I can't wait to go and see what they've got in store for next year <laughs> if I do get down to a game I might have missed my chance to see them in their full glory because we, we spoke about this on last week's show, the flare incident. It made headlines around the world, but MLS, we said, would come down hard on them, and they did.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be really interesting, uh, these, these investigations that happen, the league and the club as they do investigations, because the supporters there as an observer... The, there are a number of them who do have a lot of power, control, influence. Uh, so in terms of getting those kind of items, like the flares into the stadium, I think there's lots of ways that that could have happened. Mm. W- whether it was, you know, supporter leadership,
1: whether it was
2: f- connections that they have.
1: The, the you fact, know. That a lot of fans walked in and they were walking like penguins. Well,
2: yeah, there is those. those I remember. Did I ever tell you about that? <laughs> I Paulo, don't know where Paulo, this is going Paulo, Ternaghi, now. Paulo, Paulo, Paulo Ternaghi once said, he's like, yeah, he's like, you got to come visit us in Milan and we'll go to a game at the at the, at the San Siro. He's, uh, I think he's Inter fan. He's an Interfan, um, which, yeah. Um, it's like
1: you're attempting to tell an Italian accent. No. Keep no, going no, about no. my accents.
2: No, no, no. You no. got to
1: come to a Milan game. No, yeah. More no. Italian coming up, and
2: he—he literally—he literally said to me, he's like, "Yes, you'll come to the game, and we—you will have to shove the flare up, up your up your cheeks so that we can, you can get flares into the game." And I was like, <laughs> "You know, I, I'm good just to come and watch."
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, superb! But yeah, MLS announced on Wednesday sanctions against LAFC following serious misconduct by the 3252 supporter group prior to the Western Conference final last weekend against Houston. LAF have agreed to a full investigation of the incident. Violators will be subject to further penalties, indefinite bans, including the MLS Cup, and all appropriate legal action. The comprehensive review will focus on improving security and support and management processes for 2024, For failing to meet required safety protocols, LAFC has been fined $100,000 and will be subject to league oversight related to security and supporter management processes. For next year, 3252 will have all supporters' privileges indefinitely suspended pending the completion of the review. Now, they were also restricted for activities at the MLS Cup this weekend. It was then clarified that privileges being indefinitely suspended meant no drums, no flags, things like that. So basically, you want to suck the whole atmosphere out of the game. Yeah, it's weird. They
2: did have some stuff at the final, right? I saw some flags and I thought I saw a drummer. But um, yeah, there's this, it's going to be interesting to see. How this plays out in my opinion from the supporters mm. because are they going to say the, "The i can't see them being like from what i know of that community and i've met some of their people i mean you met i mean you met some of them in 2009 when they were of a different stripe
1: oh <laughs> um, yes
2: yeah so i went to some meetings in 2009 at mls cup in seattle and i met some of the high the the, the leaders of the of the goats then and um they're not the kind of people from my interactions with them who would be like oh yeah it was billy and Susie. they brought it in <laughs> like they're not going to give up their own people no i don't think but then also so that's one issue also i think that it's for them it's going to be a test of this culture clash right like yep. it's very much a, a latin american infused uh community uh, in terms of their, their supporter community there, like the, the way they support is very, uh, you know, Latin American, um, which is awesome, which is awesome. Um, and in Latin America, you, when you, there's this ongoing tension between yourselves and the stewards of your clubs and what you can do and what you can't do and how much you push back and the ways you push back. And so it's going to be, cause, cause with MLS and in, in America, it's no it's our way or the highway and so will they will they say okay we're going to live by your rules or how are they going to How are they going to try and circumvent that in some way shape or form or are they going to say screw you all there's going to be no support in the stadium anymore or for a a period of time or it's going to be because I mean
1: it will be interesting I mean I back them totally it's oh yeah this is like I mean you knew they were going to come down hard on them this just Seems very excessive. The- I still think MLS will use that imagery at some point down the line. Although, now that they fi- issued such a big fine to LA, I'm not sure that they might, but why would you not? It looked spectacular.
2: Yeah, it was one of the, well, was, as far as I know, it was the largest ever flare display done. Mm-hmm. In, in, in and, you know, as a, or sorry, flare, you, you, you using a flares in a in a display in, in MLS at a at a league at a league match or a league or a playoff match anyways. But um they yeah yeah it would be interesting to see if they do end up using it because they used to do that all the time. They'd say, Oh you can't do this stuff and then they'd be like it would yeah. be in their advertising. But um no I, I I think those guys we talked about last week from Portland who did the flares the first the first ever in twenty eleven, their first ever away game at Salt Lake, mm. like they had like I can't remember it was season long bands or or forever bands, and they used to. There's a bunch of them. They used to stand before the stadium was suspended. was uh, expanded in in Portland. I think they used to stand at the the fence where they. I don't even know if in in that era if they could see anything in the game, but they would just come to the game and stand outside the stadium at the fence. Where I think some of them got banned pre MLS too, and they would do that. They would come. Remember, 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 you could kind of watch the game back in the day. Uh,
1: oh yes yeah before the stand
2: got yeah yeah but i think they would stand on bikes or they put a bike up against the thing and stand on a bike and try and cease i don't know i might be mixing up pre-mls with that that 2011 incident Mm -hmm. that played out or played on through into 2012 because it was a pretty sure i have if my memory is right it was their last away game of the season and they were not in the cup i don't think and so it was kind of like they're like hey we're gonna do a display that we think is meaningful and Whatever, whatever.
1: Yeah. Um Threatening legal action takes it to a whole different level though as well. I'm not quite sure what what that would be and we won't get into it all because we don't know US legal stuff and Californian legal stuff, but that's like, hmm. It, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how that goes. Yeah. That is it for our MLS Cup chat. We're going to be turning attention to the white caps next as I sit down for my annual... End of season chat with Vanni Sartini. We'll be back with that on number 12 in AFTN's 2023 Fest of 15 after this. Hi, I'm Brian White, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. We don't need
0: to hold hands and pray. You just got
1: Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it's number 12 in AFTN's Festive 15 for 2023 from New Jersey, former Artist of the Month, Crazy in the Brains. That was their single that they released in October, Hold Me Close. A very personal song there from Christoph Jesus about the passing of a loved one. You can find it on their Kicked Out of the Choir EP that was just released in this month in all the usual places. You can find it on Bandcamp as well, crazyinthebrains.bandcamp.com. Kicking off our festive 15 songs for this show, and we've got another two to kick off parts three and part four. In this part though, we're turning our attention to the Whitecaps, and it's our annual Sit down with the Whitecaps head coach. We did our first one way back in 2013 with the newly appointed Carol Robinson. We've done it every year since with Robo, Mark DeSantis, with Vanny. Here's the latest chat with Vanny after a very successful and a very eventful year for the Whitecaps and Vanny Sartini. So go stick the kettle on, grab your biscuit of choice, sit back and relax and listen to our end-of-season chat with the gaffer. So, Vanny, thank you, as always, for doing our end-of-season chat. I look back at 2023, I look ahead to to 2024. Mm. It's been quite the year, both on and and off the pitch. In general, how do you look back at, at 2023?
3: Well, I think 2023 was a very good year, to be honest. Uh, the team performed very well. Uh, we confirmed our uh, Canadian Championship one win of the 2022. We, I think, we reached a, a level of uh, quality of football that we've never reached before, and uh, at least under my tenure. But I would say, at least since I've been involved with the team um uh we involve a lot of uh, new fans coming to the to the to the game we develop players that uh, uh they made their debut in their big uh, uh, arena like ali ahmed that uh, never played in mls before he became a national team player Until the end of the season, we develop players that were already with us, that they make the next step. I'm thinking about uh, Pedro Vite. I'm thinking about Ryan Raposo. I'm thinking about Tristan Blackman. Uh, We had players having probably the best season of their life, Ryan White and Ryan Gold. So, you know, there's a lot of things that uh, we, we have to be happy about. We reach the playoff. Uh, we played international soccer at BC Place after a few years uh, doing very good against Mexican team in both the games. So, you know, I think there's uh, there's been a, uh, a growth of the team, uh, growth of the organization. And now the things are becoming, I would say, exciting because uh, when you do strides forward, then uh, to continue, it's... Uh, It's even more challenging, and uh, we are up to the challenge for next year.
1: Winning back-to-back Canadian championships—it's the first time that the the club's done it in its history. And, like, have you had have you had your tattoo added to you? Have you had twenty twenty three put on your arm? Uh, Not yet,
3: not not yet. But before the start of next season, there will be an ad of twenty twenty three. Again. I really like the fact that we did a double. We never did it before, yeah. And I'm really looking forward for next year because the only teams to did the the, the treble has been Toronto 16, 17, 18. So we wanna we wanna at least uh, uh, be equal to them and try to do this 22, 23,
1: 24. <laughs> and obviously, that's going to get you into this new expanded Champions Cup, and the the draw is yeah. this week. I I know last year you're kind of disappointed that you didn't get a, a Mexican team. don't know what the path ahead is going to be, but I take it you would much prefer to get uh, a Mexican team. I mean, 10 MLS teams in it does make the, it feel like we're probably going to get another MLS team at some point.
3: Yeah, especially if we, like say, make the second round, we, we win the first round, we go to the next round, we'll probably sooner or later uh, play against uh, an MLS team and and, you know, when it's international competition, you would love to to play teams that you normally don't play. So yeah, uh, we actually look forward to the draw. Uh, it's gonna be very important, important very important not only for the competition itself, but also because it's gonna define our preseason according to when we play. And uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, we are we are very. So you know, we are, I don't think we are still a team that can say. We're going to win the Champions Cup, but uh, last year it was our first dance, and we understood how how this competition works. So let's try to to do better this year. So last year we reached the quarterfinal. This year it's going to be even harder because there's a round more to reach the quarterfinal. So let's let's try to do it.
1: Last season, forty six games the yeah. the club played. Yeah. So so much was made at the weekend or LaFC's. 53 games and houston were 48 and everyone ignores what what we had to do here and when you consider that was also a first round playoff exit and it was a knockout round of the league's cup 46 games is still a hell of a lot of games is it getting to the stage that it's too much now i know don garber was asked about that last week but it, it feels it's getting a little bit excessive
3: well, I, I don't know if it's too much. I think, uh, uh, in order to be sustainable, probably we need to uh, to do, we could do things in a couple of ways. Uh, I would say differently. Like the first thing that it, that is in my mind, it's uh, uh, probably we could have a couple of uh, roster spot more each teams. Mm. So there's a lot of uh, talk about the 40p. There's a lot of talk about more money. I would say the most important thing that would be now for a coach probably would have to have a couple of maybe senior rosters, spot more, so you can have more players to to rotate in uh, if you are if you're gonna play like 50 games. The other thing for me is uh, I really like the league's cup in t- as a competition. Uh, I think it can be structured in a way that it's gonna be less disrupting for uh, for uh, for yeah. the season in the sense that having a month where the entire league is stopped of course it forces you to play a lot of games eh, more a lot of uh, midweek games more so probably having the league's cup uh, uh, i would say putting in the entirety of the season like the champions league maybe a couple of games uh, the 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 round robin uh, at the same time but then uh, uh, the 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 knockout round maybe uh, on a weekend, on midweek games uh, once uh, uh, once every month or once every two, three weeks would allow the team that are not in the final rounds to play league games in that weekend and then have less, a more, I would say, uh, normal calendar, I would say, for the rest of the year. But yeah. uh, I'm not on the one that say, because it's easy to say, yeah, uh, we want uh, less games. Uh, it's too much. It's a little bit too much, but at the same time, I don't want to... In Italian, we say, I don't want to spit in the plate that fits me. And I know that because there's more games, there's more money from television, and there's a little more money for us players and coaches. Teams. So that's the thing.
1: Yeah. I mean, if you, if you look at it that way, I mean, as much football as possible, but I mean, it means you've got to have a, a good depth in the squad. And when you look... Like it was, it was great last year. Adding all the Canadians, so bringing yeah. in Hoyle and Larea and Sam. Obviously, we don't know if they're all going to be back or not. But it, do you have to at some point think is it worth bringing too many Canadians in? Because this year you've got the Gold Cup. Yes. There could be Copa yeah. America, so you could be yeah. losing a big chunkier squad for like two months of the, yeah. the season.
3: Yeah, yeah, you're right. Uh, that's another. Peculiarity of MLS that we play during the international tournaments. It doesn't happen in any other league in the world. Uh, so yeah, uh, it's uh, you could have for six seven games uh, uh, not having your I don't know five or six players that are regular starters in your team because it's not only the Canadian. You know, if you talk, if you look at about our team, we have uh, yeah uh, Andres Cubas that is regular with Paraguay, Javane Brown that is regularly with uh, with Jamaica uh, Pedro Vita that has been started to being called up by Ecuador so uh on top of this we have the olympic games this year so mm-hmm. we have we know that i i just had a conversation with the olympic coach and uh, sebastian beralte is in the pool of the of the players that uh, can go to the olympics for for um, uh for the united states so Fantastic. it's uh, yeah it's um, yeah, it's it's hard. At the same time, the Canadians are very important to have because one of our competitions is very important for us. is the Canadian Championship, and you have to field three Canadians in that game. So we want to have the the, the best starting lineup possible in that competition because also we know that you know uh, it's really hard to win the Champions League, the League Cup, and the MLS. It's hard to win the Canadian Championship too, but. History, recent history proved that is the competition where we have more possibility to to go to to try to to leave some silverware. So it's very important for us. So yeah, we need to have a, we need to have a balance. But between me and you, I'm okay to lose players, five or six players for a month, because it means that we have very good players that are called by the national team. So that's, that's uh, and this I'm 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 i I'm, I'm, I'm happy if in June we we miss Ryan for a month because it's with, with Scotland at the Euros. So
1: oh, I'd that's, like uh, that too.
0: <laughs>
3: yeah, yeah. So I uh, we don't have to. Um, we always add that. Uh, uh, we say always that the team is the leader, so the team needs to be ready to perform, even if we miss uh, the the best player in the. Uh, in the in the team, so that's the thing.
1: So I mean, that's a lot of the positives for for the year and looking ahead. If, if we look at some of the the negatives, the the lowlights of the year, yeah. obviously the the playoffs didn't get that playoff yeah. win. But I mean, d- do you feel the team is close to to making that playoff run? Yet you, you look like no one was able to score against LAFC, apart from the eventual champions and the Whitecaps. And it was too, well, I was going to say it's too closely contested games. The first one obviously wasn't, but there, there was reason yeah. for that because you're chasing the game at that point. But, I mean, yeah. you showed you can go toe-to-toe with that. You showed over the season against Cincinnati, against St. Louis, that the team can compete with the best. How how close do you feel the team are to making that next step? And how many pieces away do you feel... you? you are to to being able to take that jump?
3: I think we're very close. And I think that uh, uh, one of the things that we missed was probably the the habit to be in that game. And uh, to be honest, I think that especially at home, at BC Place, we can beat every team in the league. And we showed this year, especially home. So I think that is extremely important for us to... Uh, to have uh, uh the best regular possible because we've seen this series because it's uh it's uh, something that can uh, can really help you to 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 win to win the series so i think we're there and it's not i would say a uh, a matter of pieces per se it's more a matter of uh uh i would say uh even being more um uh used to play that game it's different if you tell me talking about winning the mls cup i think probably to win the mls cup uh, we it's uh it's a big claim to say from us but to at least reach uh, uh top four position that allow us to have the possibility to uh to play uh at least uh, the first round with the home advantage and and go the second round and maybe to the conference final, why not?
1: Obviously the other big point at the end of the season was that last playoff game against LAFC. Have you watched it back?
3: Yeah, I watched the I watched both the games. I unfortunately watched the moment of my suspension to be honest of my <laughs> red card too. And uh uh well uh I think I have regrets to be honest not for the Game that we played in Vancouver, I have regrets for the game that we played in LA. I think that uh, after that first half, uh, we could have done a better second half. It wasn't our uh, possibility to to play a better second half and win the game. And uh, I think the game in Vancouver, to be honest, uh, I don't want to reiterate the thing. I think that uh, unfortunately, uh, we we have some recrimination on the referees, to be honest, and. Uh, and it was a game uh, that uh, was uh, a contested game, a tie game that could have gone both ways. And uh, if uh, I remember the great chance that we had with Brian, uh, five minutes to go. If that score, we go penalty, maybe we win. Uh, so I think that we approached the game in the right way. Again, if I have a, uh, a regret, we I have the regret of the second half in, in LA. I have to be honest, specifically... I felt that uh, uh, we were going in a certain direction, and uh, probably I uh, I think that uh, the beginning of the second half, when we had this, I don't know if you remember, we had a great chance with uh, Shofi missing an easy pass for Sam to go one one v one against uh, against. Uh, Against uh, Max, yeah. uh, if we score the three-two, we win, and uh, and maybe our season change, and we have a, a a fantastic ride till second round, maybe conference final. That's it. But again, these are the playoff, and that's the reason why what I said before: it's about habit to play those games. Yeah. It's about uh, yeah. also uh, be ready to go. And and I'm taking and I'm and I'm saying for myself too. I think that. Uh, between me and you, I should have been more courageous to do the mo- to do a couple of subs that I had in mind during that game at all time, and I didn't do it. I waited and I, just, and I did it uh, after he scored the 3-2 and the 4-2 I should have done before.
1: Now, the suspension then has come out of that game. Yeah. But, but, I mean, were you surprised by the severity of it or were you expecting that?
3: I think so no. If
1: I have to be honest,
3: uh, I know how MLS works. First of all, we have to be honest. So I made a terrible mistake. Like we, you cannot behave like I behaved on the field uh, uh, when I when I when I got sent off. You you cannot be, I would say, so uh, theatrical and dramatic and uh, doing the things that I did. So I I reckon that uh, you know a suspension was uh, there arriving. Uh I already said also the post thing with the press conference and the uh, really poor choice of words that I that I made to that to say that joke, but again, it was just a joke and everything. But again, it's like it's all all of this is my fault. So it's you cannot say uh that I was surprised when I received uh, uh a big suspension on the other way around uh if you compare to other behavior of coaches all around the world uh i'm i'm thinking about you know uh, Mourinho last year at the end of the europa league final when he yeah. when he waited for the for the for the for the for the, uh, for the referee and he's basically <laughs> uh, been very very threatening to the referee at the end of the game he just got four games not six games and uh if I think about other suspension in the league like uh, I don't know uh the what happened to Miazga, what happened to Kai Wagner uh probably on that line, I would have expect like three, four games, not six, but uh, it is what it is and uh, now it's just a way to I would say commit myself to uh, to to be completely honest when uh, when you analyze your behavior and I said it was totally unacceptable the way that I behaved after the red card. Because I let my team down for multiple games, I I want to say I can't accept myself being emotional in that moment and get sent off. Because if I if I jump on the field because you know that's the the urge of the moment, but when I see myself on TV, to be honest, doing those things after the red card, I feel I feel embarrassed for myself. And um, yeah, uh, we have to we have to go from there, and we have to commit of being. Uh, better in that moment because there will be again moments where you feel that the referee is not doing a good job and you feel frustrated. But uh, uh, you need to be, uh, you need to be, I would say, focused enough in order to to stay uh, ready and help your team trying to overcome even these difficulties.
1: I mean, it's now the weird situation that you're going to be in the dugout for the Champions Cup, but you're not going to be <laughs> in the dugout for the for the MLS matches. I mean, I, I, I'll be honest, I was worried that they were going to suspend you from all team activities so that you were going to get like a two or three month ban where you couldn't do anything. So at least you can be in and around the team, you can train the team, you can get them ready. I mean, I, as a coach, I think I know what your answer to this will be, but... How much of an impact does having the head coach not on the bench have for the team?
3: I think uh, not too much, but a little bit. Yes, we don't have to. It's not. Uh, we don't have to hide ourselves and say that uh, uh, it's, gonna, it's not going to be a problem. Of course, uh, between me and you, it's better to have a coach suspended for six games than your best player suspended <laughs> for six games. Yeah. So that's. Uh, but uh, again, I will be able to be with the team. During the week, I will be able to do the uh, pre-game speech before the game. Uh, I won't be able to coach on the field, but no, there's Mike is, has worked with me for two and a half years, we we do everything together. We take all the decision together. So we'll uh, we'll go over, I would say, a strategy of uh, all different scenarios that can happen on the on the field, and I will trust completely his judgment during the ninety minutes. Of course, I think that. Uh, coaching the team in the in the during the game is probably i would say something between 15% of my job 85% is the work that you do during the week with the team the the fact that you choose the team to 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 play the tactics and everything but uh, i won't be able to give this 15% for at least the first games of the season mm. and uh, so we will have to be Even more, even stronger in the preparation during the week. Even stronger to be on the same page. Me, Mike, Brandon, all the guys that we are working in the team, because uh, we have to make sure then uh, that uh, that the guys, the players, don't feel anything that is missing if I'm not uh, in the on the bench. Uh, One good thing about this that it happens in. before the season, so we can have a kind of a try run with probably mm. for sure the last game, maybe the last two games of preseason. We will do it with uh, with Mike coaching from the bench and me being on on in the stands. So uh, we will we will have a try run on these two. I
1: mean, aside from trying to control your emotions, what, what, how do you feel, or what do you need to work on as a coach now? Do, do you feel you've grown as a coach? at the end of this year say to the end of last year to your first year
3: yes i think I gr- i've grown a lot uh, as a coach in two things i would say most of them are more but uh, we i need to grow more like we did uh, and on- we do an we did an honest uh, self assessment at the end uh, of the season about uh, our work and uh, uh, there's a couple of things that uh, i can say i um, I, I've grown a lot in these two and a half years as a as a head coach. The first one is, uh, in my opinion, uh, the fl- the communication flow f- with everyone, with players, with management, with the staff. It's much better than uh, when I started, and uh, I really believe that uh, in the fact that everyone needs to be part of the team and everyone needs to be informed of everyone, everything that we do and everyone needs to be, has to have the, uh, I would say, the possibility to say, yeah, I don't know, I don't agree with this and it doesn't mean that I'm doing, I agree with the people that don't agree, but at least I'm going to take the information. So I'll give you an example, we, we started this thing with this, uh, the most experienced player with a leadership group to meeting every 2 weeks and uh, it was fantastic we we were able to i would say in my opinion prevent a lot of uh, uh even problem that could have arised in, in the locker room because I knew perfectly what was happening and what was the pulse of the team. And sometimes the players helped me say, hey, uh, Vani, we don't want uh, maybe to travel a day before for this game. Uh, like oh, we, the, the group is feeling that we are doing too much this week. Those kind of things that we were able to, to at the end, uh, tailor, customise better the work with, with the group. The other thing that I think we arrived much more prepared in terms tactically. I I did a much better job to inform all the staff before the the beginning of last season, and everyone was really up to speed at the beginning of the season on the way that we wanted to play. And it's the same thing that we're doing this year. So going very detailed on the work we work. I think it's the period that I'm working more in terms of tactics and going over the thing. because, uh, And it's a period where we... We need to educate a lot of the staff because, in this way, we we can. Uh, I can. I would say be sure that without micromanaging, the staff is working well. If someone is, even well, one simple thing is Michael coaching the first game on the bench, but even sometimes is I'm taking a group of players for a, for an exercise. Other coaches are taking other group of players for the exercise. So I think that's another area where we. I grew up. Uh, a lot. Uh, there's another managing the emotion. It's of course one thing that we always need to work on. Uh, not that I don't have to I have to remove my emotional side. I will always be an emotional mm. person. I think it's also one of the my strengths, to be honest, because it, it it allows me to connect with people. Yeah, I agree. And, uh, and um, but of course I need to to manage that. I want to be. Uh, uh, I think that going back in the in the in the season, I think uh, we have to be better in uh, uh, deciding when to do. I would say even a bigger turnover of players. Uh, we were saying before we don't have thirty five players, so we have to plan some games where we do a real big turnover because we need players that are going to be a hundred percent maybe for next week. And I think that's what we. I think we became a little bit greedy after winning in Toronto, after making the 10 points on the first uh, ga- four games uh, in the big round, a way that mm. I, we could have done a better job than uh, resting some players. That's the first thing. And the second thing is uh, um, uh, we need to even, I think, be more intentional and... I uh, say intentional... Uh, I think we can we can do more with the substitution. We we can do more winning games with players that are coming from the bench. We can do more, even working during the week on specific situation. This is the last ten minutes, and we're changing the system because we're down, or we're, or we're putting this player because we are up, and uh, having the players even readier to to experience those situation and go there.
1: This week, the draft star, and then next week we've got the Super Draft. You were just down in Arizona. Do you see the club being busy this week and and next week? Or is that not really where you're looking at to strengthen the squad?
3: No, no, we are busy this week, especially because we have the uh, uh, free agency. So the players that are up for free agency. And between me and you, Mike, so we are looking everywhere, eh? inside and outside. But uh, uh, for the immediate, uh, I would say, a contribution for the team, I think that uh, it's better to look inside the league than outside the league because of the peculiarity of this league. Uh, so uh, we are always also because it's better to have everyone ready from the first day of training instead of like uh, like last year uh, when... Uh, uh, I don't know Sergio. For example, he wasn't with us for the first five weeks, and then he was behind, and then he got injured. So, uh, so we will be busy. That doesn't mean that we are not looking abroad. We'll actually have a lot of um, at a lot of meetings with the scouts and everything on uh, how to improve the team. But what I want to say to you that we are not going to make uh, ten moves. Uh, we are the team is uh, is already good. The team is already good, and we. And we need to, in order to improve the team, we need to have uh, uh, some some good players uh, coming in, and some some players that fit the way that we play. We need uh, guys that are up to the work when they are. Uh, we don't have the ball, guys that uh, uh, know how to play in a very, I would say, structured way like we do. So yeah, we we've been very very busy on trying to identify the right profile.
1: And just last thing, I, I believe you're heading to Japan very shortly. Are, yes. are you going to be spending Christmas down there or are you going to be back before? before... No,
3: I'm coming back. I'm going to be here in Vancouver because, you know, uh, Wednesday there's going to be this uh, draw for the Champions League. So yeah. there's a high probability that we play our first game on February 7, 6, 7. For the, so we need to start uh, probably January 3 or 4. And so I'll be here in... Uh, In Christmas, but you know, it's gonna be my third or fourth Christmas in a row in Vancouver. Like, uh, it's already it 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 became my my house here, so it's okay. I'm coming back here. I'm coming back from Japan on twenty on the twenty third.
1: And what is it about Japan that you love so much? Because I know you're learning Japanese, and I can you maybe do what Celtic did and bring back some really top quality Japanese guys with you.
3: (laughs) Yeah, maybe I don't know. Uh, Well, you know, it's I always. I I love different culture and 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 Japan in Japan and and Japanese people of course Japanese culture is is I would say very different from the culture that that we have it here so uh you know the fact that I was studying the language also was an idea also to go there and try to to improve uh, and to see which level I am uh, to be honest with you the other I was uh, in uh, the other thing I was going to try to do this, uh, like in competition with Japan, with this vacation was to go to, uh, to Africa, to, for a safari and to look for some places there, wow. uh, like Botswana. uh, but it's too far from here. You need 24 hours and I didn't <laughs> have too many, day- and I didn't have too many days to go. So let's say, uh. Uh, that's that's one of the things that we can do for next year. Hopefully, we go further in the playoffs, so we are sure that we are not starting on January five for the Champions League, but for January sixteen, and uh, I can have a week more of vacation.
1: <laughs> well, have a have a great trip. Thank you as always for your time, and thank you for all the memories this year. And we'll talk to you soon.
3: Fantastic. Thank you, Michael.
1: Vani Sartini there, a lot to talk about, about the season past and what is to come. Didn't want to focus too much on the, the season that's been, we've already talked to him, we've brought you audio, we're looking ahead. Obviously, we did get a chance to, to talk to him there about that suspension that he's got and I think he covered that well. If we look into 2024 though, Zach, what do you feel Vanny needs to improve in most, both himself as a coach and with his team?
2: There does need to be the that emotional quotient elevation for him. Um, that's
1: a very polite way of putting it.
2: <laughs> no, I mean, he's a passionate person and that's a, a good thing in, in most respects. I, I think he, there's been times where it's, it's boiled over and I haven't liked it and it hasn't been a big deal. It's been positive for a lot of people. It has been my cup of tea, but so it's, again, it's not all a bad thing, but at the end of the season, it, it was a, it was very bad. And, and, and even I would say unhealthy in terms of the, the off the record comments that became on the record. And so, yeah, I think he just needs to, I, and I think he already has, I think he will continue. Obviously he's got things he's going to be walking through and whatever. <laughs> yeah. I think he, he, he will grow. He will learn. He will be, uh, you know, a touch more guarded. Maybe I don't think, uh, not I don't I don't say that in a negative way, Michael. I know you'd be like, oh, you don't want him to be more guarded. You want him to be open and honest the way he's always been, and just to continue to be himself. But I think he'll be a touch more guarded. I I think but, he will but in be. A positive with,
1: way. Yeah, the, he'll be open with some. He'll be more guarded in different environments now. I think. Yeah. So I mean, it's a learning curve, it, and it's like we we talked about something that Axel said way back at the end of season press conference. It's like we're a club that allows for mistakes, and we learn from mistakes. So as long as the same mistakes aren't repeated, mm-hmm. I, I I think it's yeah. just our I, lines drawn on and the club moves on. Shifting gears for a moment. I think on the,
2: the as a as a manager, I think there's uh I, I think there's ways he can improve as a in game management management kind of yeah. uh, in terms of his subs or willingness to alter things sooner rather than later. I think that's um been you know he's seen a, a number of unfortunate results go against them because he he wanted to hold on a little bit longer to see if they could work them way out of situations and and they couldn't and it cost them points and and whatever and he's talked about it he's been upfront front about that so i think he knows that i think yes so i think he has to grow on that i think also too i think he maybe need needs a little at least a little bit more flexibility tactically I'm not saying he's inflexible because he has shown the ability to use multiple formations and, and approaches or whatever. I'm not saying like he needs to become all of a sudden someone who uses wingers and whatever, you know, things that he detests or whatever. I just think there needs to be a little bit more more openness. And obviously he's played a significant role in working with Axel and building the squad so that he has players that suit what he wants. So I, I, I don't think there's like a huge mismatch in that and there's less square pegs and round holes maybe than there's ever been so but yeah i think he can grow in that that kind of tactical uh approach tactical now kind of area even just even just a little bit
1: yeah and we're we're gonna see the start now the trade window opens this week we're we're recording this show as usual on on sunday night trade window opens very early on monday so i mean there might even have been some activity by the, the time that this podcast comes out there was some activity Whitecaps wise and that they did manage to get Sebastian Berhalter re-signed for the next two seasons and I'm I'm delighted by that I think he's he set career highs this year he's still 22 he's still got a big ceiling ahead of him he can play dm he can play cm and we we talked about it on the show last week he's a he's a good backup to Andre Kubis Saw some folks saying Oh, now that they've got him locked up, would the Whitecaps maybe look to, to get rid of Kubis? Because there are rumours that there's interest from South America, $7 million fees being kind of floated about. I think you would want more for him. But he's not the man that, if Kubis goes, is the man that's going to step up and replace him. You need a, a, a better replacement with all respect to Sebastian. But very glad that he's inked for another two years.
2: Yeah, I saw some of that as well, and I would agree from that perspective. I think it's it. it speaks to the season that he had, to that his re-signing has been so universally uh, applauded across the, I think across the fan base, um, which is great. And you're right; he he offered them more this year than other veteran players and other players in the squad, and and deservedly got minutes. Uh, and I think that I think Vandy's trust in him we'll see his minutes grow in the future and they they will rely on him even more in situations where they need to or want to um yeah i i like i said i would agree with you that he's not uh, at a place where he can replace uh, kubus in the, in this in this side yeah. but but i i wouldn't say that moving kubus would be a bad thing for the white caps approach to squad building and, and just like football
1: management yeah i i, I agree i mean like, if if they can get Seven to ten million for him. What what you can do in MLS for that money? Yeah, if you're phenomenal. gonna if you're gonna reinvest it all, for sure.
2: Yes. Can you remind me? Do, do we know factually precisely what they paid for him? Was it two, three? Uh,
1: it, was it was two and four. a half or three. Yeah. Was, so I, I can't remember exactly off the top of my head, but it was two so, and a half or three. So as as frustrating as it
2: might be for some in the in the in the fan base, I think that. To pay two and a half to three, sell them for seven to ten, and then fully or almost fully reinvest that into this into squad building, within obviously the awkward parameters of MLS. I don't. I think that would could be a very good thing. Mm. The question that probably asking is the kind of what you were addressing earlier is: Do they want to deal with that hiccup in the progression that they're on to yeah. bring in someone else who you they, you know has to adjust to the league? You you might think they're the same quality or better quality than Kubis, but you don't know in this context and all that kind of stuff. So, well, unless they make risk. a
1: big play for a guy in the league, then as well, that too, that's, yeah, that They're too. Yeah, that's used it in that position. So I mean, that's exciting times but, ahead.
2: But all that to say is, I think different than I think my perspective would have been like two three years ago for them. I don't I, I don't think it's a horrible thing if they're considering to more than double their money if they're going to you know reuse it in, in the right ways and. In one sense, I think they, if they do that in, in even no matter not knowing how it'll play out, I think they should be again, applauded for, for that, that kind of move. Cause I think yeah. that that's what most football clubs around the world are trying to do is trying to bring in good players to grow their team. And if they can be sold on to help continue to improve the team and show the owners that the investment they're making is, um, is growing and, and becoming more and more valuable.
1: Well, I mean, the Whitecaps, they're going to need a good squad. They're fighting on four fronts again in 2024. One thing they won't have is a fourth DP. Don Garber ruled that prospect out in his State of the League address. It's going to be a busy schedule for next year. And we're going to turn our attention to both of those things now as we keep the MLS focus on. And we're going to hear a little bit from Don Garber's State of the League address and talk about some of the big points that came out of it as well. I will also bring you song number eleven and AFTN's 2023 festive fifteen. We'll be back with all of that after this. Hi, I'm Ryan Gold, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show.
4: I'm Mike You might know me from Soccer Vibe. of be. In the GLC, getting respect since 1983 and I'm still getting wrecked But shit's hit the fan, I've got a new plan Cos I owe money to my dealer and the tax man So I put it on Facebook, I took my last breath. I'm Mike Balls, gonna fake my own death Mike Balls just died Time to run, and there was nowhere to hide His only cause of action was Pseudocide At the funeral everybody cried Remembering how much he liked his bacon fried People got high, people got pissed Talking about how much Mike would be missed But Mike was at home in his living room Watching his own funeral live on Smoking weed as a mark of respect, And we had his favorite tunes playing on the deck. Yeah, the weight wasn't bad, even though a sad time. Then Mike text me to meet him for a fat line. They said he died after getting a rash. Then two days later he's out on the lash, being given his last rights by a priest. It's a third time Mike's been declared deceased. Fall, just died for dead Now I think people end when they see me. Cause they think that I'm a fucking zombie. I ripped my clothes, put makeup on my head. I look like an extra from The Walking Dead. Where's Mike? People spreading rumors. He's last seen buying cheese and chips and boomers. From coast to coast on a Facebook post. People keep seeing Mike false ghost. Went to checks though, cause I'm in hiding. Am I coming back while well, I'm still deciding? Cause life's quite nice now, I passed away. There's loads of bills I don't have to pay. And I started a fund on the internet to pay for the funeral and my debt. Look it up, it's on Just Give It, I'm Mike Balls, and this is how I'm living. Mike Balls just died this morning, and he's dead, he's dead. What Mike Balls says is what Mike Balls does, and he's making his own death just for the buzz. Here's the point, don't be mistook, coming back like Jesus in the holy book. Praise be, back from the dead, when you see him rise up, it'll fuck up your head. Shot eyes and a rattling chain like God looking but without a mustache. I'm Mike Balls, going underground, unlike Shannon Matthews, I won't be fed. Like an elaborate game of hide and seek, I'm Mike Balls. Check out my technique. Need to get away, need a place to hide. Chilling with Derek Akora and his spirit guys. I started asking, is it real or is it fake, when I went to my funeral and the wake. The people always say nice things when you're dead, and you should have fucking seen the spread. They had fucking sausage rolls. They had mini Scotch eggs. Yeah, cheese a pineapple, they're fortune, I and day. Strictly chilling, now he's dead Spending the afterlife back of his head You read it in the Argus, in the obituaries Then I see him down spin, eating burger with cheese Like a resurrection, change the direction Only back from the dead to make a doll collection Living his best life since he died Hanging down Barry Island at the seaside All he wanted was to rest in peace But he's not again off the police, it all went wrong and he got all chopsy When they came round his house to do the autopsy Insurance won't pay, but it wasn't a shot Cause he's still posting on TikTok And a dead body was a deal breaker So I got a job as an undertaker Fight just joy, fucking used to love most haunted I got a t-shirt and a cap and everything One of them used to be a laptop engineer Swapped over to become a ghost hunter on the show. I know someone that went on a ghost tour with Richard Felix. If fielding's husband, Carl, who is also on the show, is a fully qualified teacher. Apparently, he's the only one in the UK. Look it up on Google, you prick.
1: Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio. 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it's number eleven in AFTN's 2023 Festive 15. It's friends of the show, Goldie looking Chain, Mike Balls is dead.
2: You down with GLC, Mike?
1: Down with the GLC, you knows it. (laughs) That song released in May as a single comes from Mike Balls' Boutique. Even mentions a little bit of soccer violence in there. For Soccer Violence Awareness Month comes up in March, everybody. Got my songs already planned for that one. But you can't wait. We've got one more song this week to come from our festive 15 that will kick off the next part. We're going to turn our attention away from the White Caps in a way we've all touched on the White Caps in this part, but back to MLS in general, because on Friday, Don Garber issued his annual State of the League address in Columbus to attending media in person and also on Zoom. I listened in on the Zoom. We're going to chat in this part about some of the big things that came out of that, but I want to just kick things off by bringing you a little bit of audio from the State of the League, and in particular, I've put a few questions together here, all in the same subject, which is about the schedule, managing the 2024 schedule, how do you fit all these games in, how do you balance teams taking all the competition seriously, along with players' health and various aspects of that we'll get into some of the stuff that came out of that but let's hear Don Garber's thoughts on getting that 2024 schedule and what it might mean to the Whitecaps and some other teams across the league
5: specifically about this upcoming season uh, you have Leagues Cup again Um, Copa America is going to be a big event um, on U.S. soil do you take breaks for these? Um, can you afford to take breaks for these? And then you're gonna have, of course, face that issue again in 2025, and obviously with the World Cup in 2026. Um, can the league afford to shut down for periods of a time um, in, all, in order to accommodate everything? Well, see, let me say we can't afford it. So that's a, that's a message for everybody. If we have to shut the league down, lose games, it impacts our players, it impacts our partners, it impacts our fans. It impacts everything that uh, that MLS has to deliver for all of our stakeholders. That being said, we've got to manage through that uh, that process and be clever and creative and figure out how do we reconfigure the schedule with all these different events so that we could make it work. Uh, clearly, the World Cup in 26 is an entirely different animal and uh, I can't imagine we're going to be playing games during the World Cup. but the economic impact of that is significant. So how could we work away? Can we, can we change the schedule format? Can we look at an Apertura and a classura? Can we reconfigure the League's Cup? Can we uh, figure out ways that the competition uh, exists differently in terms of how our teams play each other so that we could manage travel and rest? The one thing that I say to everybody when internally, when we have these discussions, remember this is the largest soccer league in the world by far. We play in the largest market in the world by far. We have multiple weather changes dealing with game disruption and, uh, and the rescheduling of games more than any other league, na- the nature of weather. Our players travel more than any players in any league around the world. All of that, I think, for everybody listening here, needs to be processed to think, understand how complicated all this is. And this is just one of the many complicated things that this league manages through, through all of the challenges, through all of the opportunity, we still are able to come, be in a beautiful building, have a great event like the one we're gonna have tomorrow, have a great partnership with best, uh, most advanced company in the world, have our players earn uh, more, uh, 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 have better living, have more infrastructure built, all of those things with all of the pressures, both domestically and internationally, I think it speaks to the commitment of everybody, including media, uh, that believe in our league. Uh, You launched the League's Cup, which is your own in-season tournament, and spoke a little bit about what the learnings were in year one. Can you speak a little bit more to what those learnings were and if there's any changes planned for year two? Thank you. Sure. You know, we're proud of the fact that League's Cup uh, was uh, launched uh, in a smaller format several years ago and is at large. Full league uh, combination with League of X this year, so the concept of an in season tournament is something that we 're proud of uh, being the first league to actually uh, launch that this year uh, it It brought with it enormous uh, opportunity and value and i couldn't, we couldn 't be more excited about the ratings and all the folks that attended and and supported uh, our clubs uh, in that tournament, both those who were supportive of our teams and the League of X teams uh, but we had to work, we have to work through some Changes to that tournament that we're working with League of X about that are going to make it even better? Should we be thinking about a schedule that will be uh, more uh, productive, if you will, for some of those League of X teams that will reduce some of their travel? Are there ways for us to think about how that tournament could um, elevate itself and and have uh, even more of an exclusive uh, window of promotion and marketing opportunity, which means building on our relationship with Apple and some of the sponsors of that tournament? Uh, The good news is it's year one of a partnership. It's not like we just said we're going to do this for a couple of years. This is going to go on. We'll continue to work with the Mexican League to make it even better.
2: In terms of the playoff format this season, the the best of three, how did you feel that went? Is that something you're going to stick with? And you mentioned uh, as well the schedule being tight and so on. U.S. Open Cup, you've you've made some comments in the past that maybe you're not entirely happy with that competition. Are you looking at maybe
5: MLS teams skipping the U.S. Open Cup? So I'll start with the MLS, uh, uh, the U.S. Open Cup. Uh, You know, I made those comments because I believe if we're going to have our professional teams competing uh, in a tournament that is the oldest uh, tournament of its type anywhere in the country, we all need to embrace it from our federation to our respective leagues and give it the profile and give it the support that it needs. If we can't do that, then we all should meet together and decide that there needs to be a new plan. Uh, So I will say that I'm pleased that our competition group and U.S. soccer have been working together since that last U.S. soccer board meeting and have been working on ways to evolve the U.S. Open Cup so that it can be more valuable to everybody. Uh, That process is ongoing. Uh, there might be changes to our participation sometime in the future. There's nothing that we can announce right now, but I I, I want to thank the federation, whether it's the the CEO, J.T. Batson, or it's the group that supports it uh, from a committee perspective, to actually start saying, "Hey, this is ours. Let's try to make it better." Oh, on the first one, I mean, the play. I, I listen. We we have been as a league, constantly working at ways to evolve our format. Part of that is driven by a calendar which changes uh, often, but part of it also as the league expands, how do we create a playoff format that's going to deliver the most value for our fans. Uh, we love the, for- the, the format. You know, we had more teams have home games than in the last go-around. Our attendance was up. Our ratings were up. Uh, there was more, more teams sort of towards the end uh, that were performing best during the regular season. So when you look at all the things that you use to evaluate a playoff format, we've checked all those boxes. But like everything else, you could assure that we're going to sit down with our committee in February and say are the things that we should look at, whether it's next year and the years to come, uh, to continue to evolve it. But we, we thought it was a great success.
4: Um, Don, I know we've had a number of questions for you about the, the schedule and the complicated nature of what you guys are trying to accomplish um but with the mid-season shutdown that will ha- have to happen with the world cup in 26 we can will you consider this an opportunity to reconfigure the schedule to make it a summer and spring calendar for which there are a lot of benefits such as aligning the the transfer windows with europe and also creating a long runway to finish the playoffs without the you know the break of a transfer window that you know obviously uh, um, pauses um the m- momentum that that now takes place
5: you know paul we have to look at everything but we also have to realize uh and we've had this conversation with uh with concacaf with fifa Uh, we've had that conversation internally uh we are weather constrained and uh we've we've got to figure out a right way to manage that now are there creative and unique ways to manage through that Uh, you know should we be thinking about playing in a single destination for a period of time during winter months where you can't play necessarily in Toronto or in Kansas City or in Chicago or New York, Boston, who knows? Maybe that might be the answer. What I will say is we have to look at everything to ensure that we could not lose uh, games in our schedule and be able to have a schedule that works for our players and works for our fans. And that's the tough work that our schedule group and our commercial group and our ownership will work on uh, to finalize a a format for 2026.
1: So Don Garber there just chatting about some plans for the schedule. We'll get into some of what he said there, Zach. Now, there was a lot made during the MLS Cup, that LAFC. That was their 53rd game of the season that they were playing. Houston had played 48 games this year. And I was like, no one's mentioning the Whitecaps here. Because the Whitecaps played in four competitions and played 46 games. In the 2023 season. I mean, that. For a team that got knocked out in the first round of the playoffs as well, that's a hell of a lot of games for any team to be playing. Yeah,
2: it, it, it definitely has grown in these, uh, whatever, 12 years or whatever of MLS, for sure. But when
1: you think, like, they got beat in the first knockout round in the League's Cup and they didn't get past two games in the playoffs and they still played 46 games. That's just. I mean, next year as well, just all around, is, is going to be a nightmare because, again, the Whitecaps are competing on four fronts in the league, the Canadian Championship, the, the Champions Cup, and, of course, the League's Cup. So, I mean, Garber there said the league will adapt and they'll figure out the right way to change and whether that means roster changes or whether participation in some tournaments... For some clubs and participation not in some tournaments for some clubs right away you're thinking well they're talking the US Open Cup there and I mean he's already spoken in the past that he doesn't feel it's at the level that benefits MLS clubs and he, he was asked about that and he did address that as well I mean it, it's interesting because he says they have to look at ways that we could manage the schedule to give those teams that have more schedule congestion an opportunity to have a bit more time in between games. You've come up with a League's Cup that's added to this schedule. And I loved the League's Cup this year. And I'm looking forward to it next year. I thought it was a great tournament. But you're part of the problem because you've added these extra games to the schedule.
2: Uh, Yeah, I wish you would have shouted that across Zoom to him. Um, No, yeah, that's ridiculous. I mean... i i know your mind and i understand why because of it you know garbage comments in the past goes to u.s open cup my my first thought is the league's cup should be the optional one you know Mm. there's clubs that don't want to play in it or don't see the value in it or aren't going to host games or whatever like that's not a real competition like there's not a more make-believe competition since the mickey mouse cup
1: like right like well, the, the thing is, as I, I, well, it doesn't benefit the Mexican teams, as we saw this no. year. And and like he he touched on that there as well. He he mentioned that they might look at how scheduling the League's Cup might come into it in, in future years to, to be better for the Mexican teams, but also for this year to look that they're not having to travel as far. So it might be like, we don't get a Mexican team here in Vancouver because we're hosting a group. It might be like, oh, that's too far. Toronto's too far. Montreal's too far. We're not playing games there for these Mexican teams. They need to be in the south of the so US. So then
2: if you're the white caps, aside from obviously, you know, winning the competition and getting the ultimate purse, the ultimate prize in it. Yeah. If you're not getting a, a Mexican team to come and um bring new people into your stadium or potentially fill your stadium or half your stadium or whatever is it really
1: worthwhile? Yeah. Especially because it it gives the Whitecaps two cracks at the cherry for the Champions Cup. That's true. So, I mean, it'd be nice if it was like, okay, we've won the Canadian Championship, we're already in the Champions Cup, we've got a really bad schedule, we're not getting Mexican teams, we'll just not bother playing this. But you don't know, you'd have to make your decision early that you weren't playing and you don't know then what's going to happen in the Canadian Championship. This might surprise you how many mls teams do you think are in the champions cup that next year off the top of your head well isn't it really large mm.
2: is it like seven or ten or eight or something? ten it's ten yeah i thought it was ten
1: yeah that okay, it yeah. seems insane to me i know it's an expanded competition and obviously we've got two cpl teams in as well but ten mls teams so yeah. more than a third of your league have qualified for the Champions Cup.
2: Yeah, it's awkward.
1: But, I mean, things aren't going to get better. He was asked, can you afford to shut the league down for things like Copa America for the Gold Cup? And he's like, let me say, we can't afford it. That's a message for everybody. If we have to shut the league down, we lose games, it impacts our players, although it doesn't. It gives them rest. Mm. It impacts our partners, that it does, and money. It impacts our fans. I don't know how much they would care, but if they get a little break instead of just games where maybe B-team players come out, I don't know. But he says it impacts everything that MLS has to deliver for their stakeholders. We've got to manage through that process and be clever and creative and figure out how to reconfigure the schedule with all these different events so that we can make it work. So that then... Opened up some further discussions as we heard there. So he he spoke about 2026, and this I I liked where he says clearly the World Cup in 26 is an entirely different animal. I can't imagine we're going to be playing games during the World Cup. That is what I wanted to hear because I thought they were still going to plough on and the Whitecaps were going to have to find a new home for a couple of months.
2: The only thing I I totally agree in general. The only thing I would say about that is you're going to have so many people traveling to here.
1: Yeah, I was going to make that point as well. It's like there's a chance to showcase your league at the same time.
2: Exactly, because like when when my, for example, when Bayern does a tour in North, North America, the fans who come over they don't just go to the one or two or three Bayern matches. They ground hop as many stadiums yeah. and go to as many places well, as possible. Well, it's like if you're on
1: vacation in a foreign country and there's a football match on, you're gonna try and take that in if you can. Totally. I have buddies they went to. They went to
2: watch um uh, I forget which team, but it was in the in the the current CSL in the Toronto
1: area. Oh wow. Well, I mean this might help yeah. the CPL, it might help League One. I mean the, the oh, thing yeah. is you, you do want it to stop though, because you want MLS to be a world class league. Where a lot of their players are in this World Cup, and with forty-eight teams, you've got to think there's going to be a hell of a lot of MLS players in that World Cup.
2: Yes, every team you think would lose a a number X number of players or or a number yeah. of players. But again, if you can schedule it properly, there could be potentially upside. It's oh, yeah. something they really they really do need to evaluate.
1: Well, he, he did mention that the economic impact of having the tournament here is going to be significant. So is that a time to maybe play the Canadian Championship, play the US Open Cup, maybe even the Leagues Cup? You're obviously going to have much reduced teams, but it's just extra games and PC plays wouldn't be available as some other stadiums wouldn't be, but you can make that work.
2: Yeah, I think you can make that work. Obviously it would be unfortunate for a club like, like the Whitecaps, but Maybe they, yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe they, they don't get home games during that, but or maybe there's other possibilities, opportunities. Maybe they play, um, like you said, one of those competitions or one or more of those competitions out of Swangard mm-hmm. or,
1: or the well, I mean, Canadian Championship, you could pack in Guard. yeah, yeah, have a game like Centennial Stadium packed in something like 60,000 for the Commonwealth Games opening ceremony so I mean you can do stuff like that but yeah I mean that's a chance to take the team to the island that's interesting he also mentioned I don't think I've heard him mentioning this before as like can you change the scheduling format he said can we look at an apertura and a clausura in 2026
2: I'm not sure how I feel about that as a like a permanent uh, I don't know how, it, it's too gimmicky to do that as a one-off
1: you know what I mean? I don't think it is for a one-off. I didn't like CPL doing it in that first year. I thought it delayed I, quite I, a bit. I, I didn't mind it.
2: I don't know that it played out the best way, but I didn't mind it. I also liked that the CPL was open and honest and saying, yeah. "Hey, we're tra- we're trying some things, yeah. and you know, this we value this, this, and this, and we're going to see what we can do." And then they tried it and they said, "Okay, we we want to alter this." And
1: I mean, uh, I I think that's the only thing that really makes sense for twenty six. Is to try well, uh, that.
2: Isn't there this idea of doing some hub? Well, yeah, there was this that?
1: other thing that was presented, or he talked about, which is winter games. So if you tweak the schedule so that the league starts way earlier and have games in the winter, now he obviously acknowledges the fact that certain places in the country can't play games in the winter. So he talked about having a neutral venue. For winter games, if the schedule has to change in 2026. So think MLS is back during COVID. You go to somewhere like Florida, Arizona, Vegas, and you have all the teams there playing a tournament for a couple of months in January, February. Again, gimmicky for a year. Not averse to it. Interesting idea. Yeah,
2: I, 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 I... I'm open to to that, you know, I think that feels more potentially palatable as a one off as opposed to saying, Hey, we're going to do aperture clazura for a year mm. I, I, I'm not saying I'm close to that idea. I just I think doing something a little bit more out of out of the box might be might be a better option.
1: I mean, if they could make the league's cup work as a preseason tournament, I think that would be an amazing way. To kick off the the MLS season, the
2: problem with that, Michael, and I can't remember how the the reform of that all works with the the Champions Cup, but is yeah, that, that would have to
1: change, wouldn't it? Well, yeah,
2: that I mean that's what's happened with that tournament. It, that has almost been like a showdown between MLS and Liga MX, and Macchies, and, uh, and it's been very unbalanced because you have MLS teams that are just getting going, and you have Mexican teams that are mid season form, right? So yeah, uh, 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 yeah. Again, I can't remember how they've structured things for the the new cup, but I think it's not that different, right? In terms of when well, it starts. Well, I
1: mean, the, the the new thing's kicking off early February. Yeah, but, so that's uh, not like the, that the, the draw. The draws this week. The draws on December thirteenth, and it starts early February. Half the teams come in in the first two weeks, and then the next lot of teams come in in the next two weeks. So, I mean, that would have to change as well. I mean, is it a, I don't see how you can fit all this football into twenty twenty six something has to give, and I mean, you'd think the league's Cup's the obvious thing because it's like it's not really a proper tournament per se as much as I enjoyed it. It's like I mean, that would hopefully be the thing that they would sensibly say needs to go he i mean he also said can can they figure out ways? that the competition, like the Leagues Cup, exists differently in terms of how our teams play each other so we can manage travel and rest. I mean, they already kind of made it regional, but for the Mexican teams, it was still a lot of travel. And they obviously did struggle. And Mexican teams are not going to want to be getting embarrassed by MLS teams. And if they don't do things that please the, the Mexican teams, they'll be like, I don't see what's in this for us, aside from making money which if that's enough for them, fair enough.
2: Yeah. It's going it... to be, it, it's totally going to be very interesting to see how they they plan for this and and the, alter, the alterations they're willing to make and then how that impacts it all playing out. Yeah. And...
1: I mean, he says that they're looking at ways to evolve the US Open Cup so that it's valuable to everybody. That process is ongoing, he said. Yeah. And... There might be changes to MLS participation sometime in the future. I think that's
2: crazy. I mean, crazy. We talked about this before. Yeah. Imagine if well, you, you saw it when, when Manchester United said, Yeah, yeah, we're going to go play in the World Club yeah. Cup Tournament instead of being in the FA Cup this year. And like
1: English people lost their mind,
2: right? It, I, obviously, it's not the same with the US Open Cup. No, but, but I've said this
1: countless times on the show. The US soccer public do not appreciate what a wonderful competition they have.
2: You're not wrong, but that doesn't mean that MLS clubs should now be like, oh yeah, it's optional to play in it, or that's what pisses me about the
1: FA Cup. It's like they don't the big premier teams, it's like they don't take it seriously now. And like like even at my team's level in Scotland, we're fourth tier. And we've got the League Cup, the Scottish Cup, and the Lower Division Cup. Which There's four tiers in Scotland? Yeah. Four league tiers. Uh, there's a lot of tiers if you're an East Fife fan, but it's different tiers. <laughs> but, so there's three cup competitions. And the League Cup, which East Fife have won three times, like storied history in that competition, it's played pre-season now as a group stage. Mm. And even my team don't take it seriously. They just think of it as a, a pre-season tournament. And it's like, you've won this competition three times. It's a big part of your history. And the, the lower division cup for the, the bottom three divisions, they don't care about that either. And they play young guys. It's like, this is your chance to actually win a trophy. Yeah. What is the point of just playing in a league and trying to survive in a league? If that's your whole plan of existence what's the point of having a club yeah going off on a whole different tangent here other stuff that came out of garber's state of the league thing as we mentioned in the first part no plans to add a fourth designated player he said there will be an announcement coming out of the board meeting on december 14th with a number of exciting things that we're doing that our folks are focused on now these must be quite major things because he said there will be media availability around it and one of the things that's come out is it looks like it's going to be clubs can have three designated players, full designated players, and three under-22 initiative players. I'm all for that as opposed to fourth DP because it helps clubs like the Whitecaps as opposed to yeah. the big money guys.
2: Yeah, I think it's that's positive. But you obviously you'll have clubs like Miami and whoever else may be upset by that.
1: Yeah, I mean... I mean, the the league right now, folk are moving in very different circles. Which is, again, kind of why it's nice that a club like Columbus have just gone uh, and and won the whole thing. A a player I would love the Whitecaps to look at, and they've not got a hope in hell, because this guy, he's playing for AFC Wimbledon just now. But there's a good chance that he's going to get a, a move to maybe a championship club in England or one of the big European teams. He's a, an Iraqi international, which when I tweeted this out, folk like, you do remember what happened the last time we had an Iraqi international because we couldn't get a work permit and stuff for him. Ali Alhamadi he's a forward from Iraq. He's played 11 times for the national team. He has scored... 20 goals in 37 games for AFC Wimbledon and he is on fire this season. He's got 10 goals in 18 league games 3 goals in 2 cup games just tremendous stuff. He is an amazing talent he would qualify for the under 22 initiative
2: I was, I was, I was just going to say what all AFTN listeners want to know is how old is he?
1: He's 21. <laughs> I, and I know our last Iraqi alley, things did not go well. But I would hope we could get a work permit for him. But, I mean, that's the kind of guy I would love to be looking at. He's exciting. Obviously, plays for one of my teams. But, yeah, if if we can use that to our full potential and have three good DPs as well, and if, we, like, if Kubis did move on, then... See what happens there. I,
2: it. I haven't watched the player at all, Michael. But it is a, a, def, a definitely. Uh, it sounds like a, a a great a great kind of option. But I agree with you; it would probably be hard because of who they'd be up against to try and get him. Yeah,
1: he is the kind of guy that, like, would he? It would depend who's coming in for him. And then there's rumors there's some very big teams coming in, some Italian interest and stuff as well yeah you're gonna choose that over mls especially wait is it
2: is nanny the school. italian entry?
1: <laughs> you know what maybe yeah there's no plans to go beyond 30 teams as of now that's the standard answer the league loved the playoff format i bet they did all those eyes all those money
2: all, I, all I, those money
0: yeah
1: yeah I, um, I mean you talked up the apple tv deal of course which was great. Like, their coverage of the league is fantastic. Mm. I just don't know that he gets the eyes on the league that he wants, but he did mention how many eyes across the world were watching Messi games.
2: I I listened to a, a podcast that I, I won't name because I don't totally love it. But
1: you, You're cheating on us? You're no, I, I listen.
2: I'm, I'm not on it, Michael. I just listen.
1: Other podcasts it, are not available. <laughs>
2: It's it's an Ameri- It's done by. Actually, it's not all American, but one of the people who does hosting or whatever is American, and and he he just straight up said, "I have watched so much less of MLS this year. I don't have I don't have my pulse on on what's going on and where the league is at and and he lives quite close to an MLS side in the Eastern United States, and uh, so he I think he has a little bit of a better idea what's going on with them, but he's like, the league as a whole, I he's like, I hardly watch anything because of it. So it's the exact yeah. same thing you've been talking about all along. And he is a dialed-in football person who's involved and fully engaged in the football community.
1: This deal, especially with Messi on board now, is going to have less eyeballs on the league in North America, but way more eyeballs on the league around the world because millions are tuning in for Messi games that they weren't getting... On local TV. So it's how the league want to look at that. Now. Talking about Messi. The question all fans have right now. Is the schedule for MLS. Comes out on December 20th this year. Which is great for planning. Get some trips booked hopefully. And some nice Boxing Day deals or whatever. But will Messi. Be coming to. Insert your hometown here. Will Messi be coming to BC Place? Will we be coming to Vancouver? We'll talk about that in a sec. Let me just play a couple of, of answers from Don Garber just around that.
4: We saw that since uh, Messi's arrival, teams that hosted Inter Miami. Uh, sold out their stadiums, recorded soaring revenues, added sponsors. In short, they took full advantage of the Argentines' presence in the league and during Leagues Cup. This coming season in 2024, how are you prioritizing uh, who's going to host the Hulga and also who's getting advantage to have him at home, their home stadiums?
5: You know, it's a good question. It's a little bit of an inside story. You know, obviously, we have a competitive format where X number of games within conference are played, and then we have a certain number of games that are played out of conference. You saw some of them, the LAFC game, as an example of that. Uh, What we try to do is have logic to that as opposed to picking those games that, you know, everyone thinks uh, are just going to grow the popularity uh, and audience around those particular uh, away matches. We don't think that's fair. We think we need to have some rationale to that. How many times has a team played against Miami? How many times have teams and their fans seen Miami on the road? We're looking at that format and then figuring out a way, and you'll see when we announce our schedule, uh, figuring out a way that we can have those four or five games spread over uh, for X number of teams in 24 and X number of teams in 25 so that as many of our Western Conference teams can see uh, Lino Messi at home. So uh, uh, the best way to answer that, it's formulaic. It's not sitting around and just using our, uh, our judgment as to what we think uh, are gonna be the get best uh, home matches for messy away games. You know, we've seen teams start to
6: release uh, their season ticket packages and holiday packages for next year. And, you know, in most cases, the, the Inter-Miami game, it's either not included
1: in those packages or it's separate and more money. Um, at the same time, you know, inter
6: Miami season tickets; uh, those prices have increased a lot. Um, you know, it makes sense in a lot of ways. Uh, teams are going to want to capitalize on on Messi's
2: presence, but you know, is there any concern that maybe the average fan is
1: is going to get priced out of the chance to to see Messi? And is, is there anything that can be done about that?
5: Well, you know, in in our business, the concept of selling. Mini packs that have certain teams uh, that uh, a home fan might want to see uh, uh, and pricing those differently. Just that variable pricing is the part of pro sports. Every other league does it, so I don't see any reason why uh, it wouldn't be appropriate for Major League Soccer to do that. Uh, I think the question as to whether or not fans are being priced uh, out of, uh, of experiencing a uh, Lionel Messi game, I, I don't believe that's true in the actual market where teams uh, teams are selling tickets, those tickets are still reasonable. We can't control what happens on the secondary market. And as you know, the secondary market pricing has been very high. I think it speaks to the unique experience of watching Lionel Messi live. Uh, But I know that our tickets are amongst the most affordable in all of professional sports, and, and I'm pretty proud of that.
1: So Garber, talking about Messi there and what they're wanting to do. So, I mean, it's interesting. He said they're trying to have some logic so that as opposed to picking games that everybody thinks are just going to grow the popularity and audience around those particular Miami away matches, we don't think that's fair. We think we need to have some rationale. How many teams has a team played against Miami? So in the Cat's place, never. How many times have teams and their fans seen Miami on the road? Again, from the Whitecaps, never. says, so we're looking at that format and figuring out a way, and you'll see when we announce our schedule that we can have those four or five games spread over an X number of teams in 24 and an X number of teams in 25. So I'm wondering if they're going to announce the Miami games for the next two years now. That seems crazy. It it does, but just the way that he worded that. But I I mean I I don't know. But he, basically he says so that as many of our western conference teams can see Lionel Messi at home. Oh, you know okay, sorry. I could see I could see that they'd say okay. Not this, this is
2: not a schedule, but it's like 2024 it'll be these five teams, 2025 it'll be these five teams. Mm. But obviously that doesn't add up because there's more than 10 teams.
1: Yeah. The- I I mean it seems Odd, but if they're going to do that, you have got to think Messi's coming to Vancouver. Or Miami is coming to Vancouver.
2: I I, I still don't know, Michael. Seattle, yeah. Portland,
1: maybe. I mean, um, San it, Jose, sure. Big stadium that you can go play at. Sure. I think that might be the final straw for some folk. Uh, if Vancouver got frozen out of that. Maybe. I mean, I, I, I would be pissed off If he wasn't coming here, not because, oh, I I, I want to see Messi. I've been fortunate enough to see Messi play. We'll talk in the next part. I might go and see him play next year in in Copa America as well. But it's like if Vancouver is treated like a ginger stepchild in Cascadia and doesn't get one of these games, I say that as a ginger lad, I'll be very upset.
2: Yes, uh, and I, I, people in Vancouver would be totally, you know, within their prerogative to be upset at that. But I, out outside of his comments in the last year about, oh yeah, they're owed an All Star Game or whatever in Vancouver.
1: Yeah, I ask I him that every time I get a chance to to speak to him. Yeah, I don't <laughs> think I don't think they're, I don't. Oh, think that, you know what though? That could be a way around it for a Western team that doesn't get messy. We'll mm-hmm. give you the All Star Game. Yeah. In 25 And then you'll have Messi at that But to yeah. be honest I'd rather have that than Miami coming yeah. At least you've seen the best players In the league and there's all the other festivities Around it which as much As I hate the all star game as a concept I, I'm a sucker For all that Stuff that goes on around it Like oh skills competitions And I used to go to the Canuck Skills competitions for like Five years when I first moved here I love all that shit Garber was asked if he feels that fans are being priced out of seeing Messi. <laughs> and he said no. He said the clubs are within their right to charge more to see a player like Messi. Oh,
2: um, Fair market value, Michael. Yeah.
1: good value. And the other teams around North America and different sports do similar things, which I, I'm not 100% sure of that is the case, but I know there is different pricing structures. For different teams, yeah. I mean, even, like, I I mentioned AFC Wimbledon a few minutes ago, they have a three-tier pricing plan, depending on who's coming to town. Uh, And you've got your ticket prices and West Ham do it as well. It's like category A, category B, category C, Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. So, I mean, you, you do get that. One thing I will say that I don't like hardcore existing fans being gouged. Yeah. So, for example, what we talked about weeks ago about Inter-Miami season tickets doubling, trebling in price. For me, not on. Fan packs, not including an Inter-Miami game, I think that's fair.
2: Yeah, you saw that, right? The, yeah. the, the Whitecaps did that, right? It's I not just
1: the Whitecaps. Football. It's every single club has come out yeah. and said that, and that's fair. Yeah. If you want to guarantee seeing Messi, you buy a season ticket for your team. You support your team you don't just support Messi. And if you only want to come to BC Place to see Messi, charge them through the nose and raise money for the Whitecaps. That's basically how I look at it. Yeah, if, that'll be that'll
2: be interesting to see if he, he does come, how that part yeah. plays Yeah,
1: if you're a Whitecaps fan, you should be going to the games. And if you're only going to go to a game that Messi's there, then I'm sorry, but like, fuck you. I don't care about you. You're not supporting your team. And the Whitecaps should gouge them for every single penny they can get. Yeah, there you go. They say you get more conservative as you get older. <laughs> Is that what they say? Yeah. So last thing, getting back to football. How do you look at MLS right now? Uh, Garber said that they're envied by places around Europe because of their facilities and infrastructure. I see that in a way, but probably not. It's still looked down for as, as a league, I think.
2: Yeah, you know, I try not to look at MLS as much
1: as possible. I know. No, well, but no. Folks do say, I have had folks comment in recent months. A few folks saying, you're a lot more positive about the white caps now that you don't go to games. Oh, it's and true. Other folks true. saying, oh, I wish Zach liked the white caps more and liked MLS more. <laughs> so you can win no matter what you do. No, yeah, you it's
2: say. true. Both those things are true. Yeah. So as much as I, there's things I don't like about MLS, I think on the whole, yeah the, the, they're not they're in a good place the i mean it's a one growing of the, league it's... aside from the scheduling thing the one thing that kind of comment there that to me is laughable is the 30 teams there's no way they're staying at 30 teams like it
1: well you I talked get... up mls next pro and how they were getting into different markets like carolina and chattanooga and stuff no that but that's
2: yeah they're, they're going to the be thirty, thirty-two teams at least by the end of, at some point, and I, I wouldn't put it past them to go way beyond that. Well, <laughs> but but they do. They the one thing I, I look I look forward to the day, even though it'll be likely a close shop when they do have their own actual second division. Yeah, which I, I, I for the, for the betterment of, uh, of of the league itself and the overall structure in the United States, I hope that. I hope that they do actually live that out. As yeah. hard and as painful as that will be for teams to get relegated. For Whitecaps to
1: play Chattanooga. Choo-choo!
2: <laughs> but no, seriously, I, I hope that they, they, they do progress away. But, the, I mean, the league... I mean, the, the the one awkward part about the league is it still it has this bit of a pyramid scheme feel to it with the, yeah. the massive uh, influx of... Yeah, it does like, feel like
1: it's just going to be crashing down at some point. Well, yeah, because
2: you, yeah, I mean, obviously, oh, maybe like I'm, like you know, then this in a similar way that Beckham helped in 2007, that Messi helps in 2023 and beyond, yeah, or for a period of time. But th- there's no way that they're going to turn down uh, these massive fees. No, and and, and, and and or we
1: could be looking and, at a billion.
2: Oh yeah, by the end and, of it. and or them potentially maybe even relocating certain teams, which involves massive fees in and of itself.
1: Yeah, I think that could be more likely than mass expansion, but we'll see. One thing Garber wasn't asked, which is the question I wanted to ask was about goal line technology. But oh yeah, that's, a, that's a, brought up. I mean, but, that,
2: that's, 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 that's a, an expenditure that they need to see the value in.
1: Yeah, well, they, they're getting the money, as you just said, from those fees. But I think MLS is in a really good place just now, and it's The whole game in this country, as we've spoke about before with Canada Soccer, it feels on the precipice Mm. of going to the next level. And you've got Copa America here in 2024. You've got the World Cup here on the men's side in 2026. They've just put in the bid the US and Mexico for the Women's World Cup in 2027. After that, the Saudis basically take over by the looks of it, and it's going to be Club World Cup and World Cup and everything in, in Saudi land. But garber said this can't say anything otherwise the eyes of the world are on north american soccer for the next three to four years mm-hmm. it's yeah. very exciting just to play a small part of that and just to see all this and, and be amongst it it's going to be amazing so strap it, yourself in enjoy the it's, ride
2: it's huge for us it's huge for cpo yeah, it's huge, it's huge for Liga MX. It's yeah,
1: yeah. It's all the leagues, like CPL, even down to League One. You're gonna have folk that want to come to North America as well and take part and play in these leagues. So very exciting stuff. Let us know what your thoughts were from Garbers. State off the League, AFT in Canada on Twitter, AFT in Canada at hotmail.com We've one more part to come. We're going to be turning our attention to the international game and we'll be bringing you song number 10 in our festive 15.
6: Hi, I'm Stephanie LeVay and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show.
0: To speak
1: Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, number 10. In AFTN's 2023 festive 15, English band Idols, their single Dancer that came out in October that will be found on next year's album, Tank, which is going to get released in March. And Idols, a band love for a number of years never got to see them live yet they're coming to vancouver on friday may 3rd at the PNE forum i've not been able to book my ticket yet because there's every chance that tss rovers are going to be playing that night and i will be commentating at the game so i might have to miss the gig but there is a chance to maybe go down to Seattle and Portland to see them that weekend, so I'm keeping my options open, but a great single from them there. We'll have three more songs in our Festive 15 next show. We're going to talk international football in this part, and we're going to kick things off with the emotional night that was Tuesday. Christine Sinclair's final international game for Canada. She hung up her boots. It was a Fantastic night. Over 48,000 fans packed into BC Place.
2: 48,112,
1: I believe yes. was the number. As was pointed out by several people, three times the Whitecaps' average attendance.
2: Oh, uh, that's what people said? Yeah.
1: But this is obviously a special occasion, and you uh, saw the Whitecaps uh, packed the folk in for that playoff game as well. So I, I don't no. think the the national team... Male or female will be drawing forty eight thousand fans for every single well, game that the, they that they played here. There was
2: some awkward comments so again this these are from people I respect who are like, Oh, maybe maybe Canada should have started the women's league first. It was like this is this is different. This is a special occasion. Yes. Like,
1: you had people that said this was their first ever game. Yeah. And they just wanted to like young and, girls that said, I've been so influenced by Christine and, Sinclair, I wanted to be there on her special night.
2: And you had people travel from all over the country. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was it was special. I was a little I was a little sad for I was a little sad that it just didn't sell out just for that fact that yeah like, yeah you know it's a, it's a sellout but it was amazing. It,
1: that... it was interesting, like for all those folk in, it was a lot quieter than a Whitecaps game with a lot less people because it's a different audience and it's not the different it's not the same kind of chanting and stuff. But I, I'll tell you, there this, was my... big big spells of the game where it was very quiet yeah but that's the game didn't help <laughs> no no but that's that's
2: partly yeah is having a bunch of people who are not used to being a part of that atmosphere yeah. but it I remember back in the day like yeah some game we as much as it was not good on in one sense some game you you enjoyed the the when there was less people on the ground because you actually I don't know the echo was more so you sounded yeah. louder and then the more people were there the more there was that white noise and and so you you're actually vocal supporting you couldn't hear um but yeah i it, it was it was it was an interesting it was an interesting crowd it made me think of and this was pre renovations obviously but it made me think of the the 2007 uh, november golden balls friendly because that i was at that at, yeah that was like 43 or 44 or yeah it was initially
1: postponed and then it went yes. it played in november yeah yeah um it, it reminded me of that a little bit in some ways cuz i had just moved there the month before or two months before yep. and there's something happened at that game that i was like oh what have i come to where they had to keep saying when the ball comes into the crowd please throw it back onto the pitch you cannot keep the ball and it's like oh <laughs> that didn't happen on tuesday night thankfully but no. i mean it was a great occasion it was a great night it was emotional. The pregame ceremony was lovely, yeah. but I mean, e- even before like the the warm up. No, oh, yeah, the top. Christine Sinclair yeah, was... wearing Sophie Schmidt's number thirteen. What well, everyone else was wearing? Everyone Sinclair. else wore number twelve. Yeah, now awesome. one thing I will say about that, and I, I spoke to a couple of media about this as well. I really felt for Sophie Schmidt. I, obviously, it's Christine Sinclair's big night, and Sophie had said she was retiring and that this was Christine's send-off. Would it not have been nicer, and I know she wanted to probably have it in Vancouver, but to have Friday night as the big Sophie Schmidt game and then still give her the send-off in this one with Erin as well, but I just felt she was overshadowed. And Christine, being the kind of player that she is and the person that she is, didn't want that to happen, which is why she wore her top. I think these players
2: all know each other so well that I think... They were. I mean, Sinclair. Did, she wouldn't have wanted any of it personally. No, she she knew it needed to be done, or she was brought to a place of understanding it needed to be done, and uh, this like yeah, I'm sure that for Sophie it was just like, okay, this is the opportunity. This is what it's going to look like. I'm sure they gave her an, an option of like, hey, do you want to be a part of this or not? Will this be awkward for you or oh, not? Oh, yeah. I think, I like, I think I'm sure you're, I think Sophie you're...
1: isn't feeling like that. It's just no. as an outsider looking in to the, the camp, it oh, just yeah, feels yeah, yeah. like, oh, I kind of feel, because Sophie's been such a good servant yeah. to to the team, to the program. A bit, but I mean, it was a great. The, the game itself wasn't great. Australia yep. put out a very strong team. Quinn got the goal. Tifo... I got a lot of of play. I know there's various articles about it. Just talk about your experience on the night as a voyageur, being in the stands, just the whole occasion, coming up with the tifo.
2: It was a, a special occasion that you know everyone wanted to be a part of. People came from all over the country, and it was it was awesome. Yeah, the V's had section uh, two five three two five four, which for Whitecaps home game is the is the GA section. I don't know about six weeks or so before the match when things were kind of confirmed the head of the v's got in touch with uh some local people about um doing a display they also uh they took a, a approach that is not really my favorite but was you know, understandable i guess in, in the circumstances where they did pub- public fundraising for a display <laughs> yeah which is a which is a really risky thing because you're collecting all these people's money and on some level, now that and you're and and it was described as a large a large default. So now there's expectations that it's gonna be it's gonna be something, whatever. Like you know, you're just you're setting yourself up potentially for failure with that. But anyways, yeah, I was a, expecting
1: a whole... pulleys. I was expecting a yeah. hologram of sync to be projected. Yeah.
2: So there was a a group of I don't know dozen to fifteen or or so people kind of in a online conversation about what this could look like and what are the options in you know in 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 doing something like this at BC Place and the, the overall process it was a little bit of probably too many cooks in the kitchen but hmm. having said that I think it was also it was kind of nice because you had all these people from different supporter stripes different supporting. Uh, You know, who who support different clubs and who or or who support some of them support the same club, but their support is different. And so it was, uh, it was really interesting, this group of people come together and say, Okay, what, what can we do? What's meaningful? And the, the Vs really what, what part part of what came from the v's was they really wanted to do a tunnel piece and so the tunnel the tunnel has only been covered three times before bc place that i'm aware of and so we ah. kind of we kind of talked about that and looked at how that was done before and what could be done and uh you know some of the local people did measuring just to make sure that you know we had the the right measurements and it was uh so yeah all these people came together uh people raised money you know fabric material was bought and paint was bought and then you know, all the creating happened, which can be a, a lot of fun. It, this was, this project actually was a lot of fun. In the conversation, some people were like, oh, could we put her in a maple leaf? And so then, um, uh, there's a, a lady named Annie in, in Toronto who's done a bunch of TIFO work, um, and, uh, other designing for, you know, merchandise and, and whatever. And, uh, so she was brought into the conversation and she did some mock-ups and then it was decided to put that, Um, to try and put that Sinclair in a Maple Leaf into a Canada flag to give it kind of some cohesion. And then the numbers, the one and the two, obviously, her jersey number. And then at the bottom, just the words, the greatest of all time. And so there's those five pieces. The deployment in general went pretty well, and there's some good shots of the whole thing deployed. Mm -hmm. Um, But part of the idea was then to see, hey, to try and make more people feel involved in a part of things could could the overheads, the numbers, the red part of the Canada flag, could they be surfed around the stadium? And it was crazy because they actually did surf the whole way around the stadium and ended up in the tunnel on the other side, which was kind of, which was kind of fun. And I think it hopefully helped make people feel more involved and engaged with yeah. it. Yeah, and I mean um, that
1: that's that's the kind of thing. Like if a young kid's going to their first game or one of their early games, that you remember stuff like that. Yeah, and totally. Like, oh, wow, that was so much fun and.
2: Hopefully, I think the display ultimately was meaningful for the, the people who
1: created it and the people in the stadium and hopefully the players appreciated it and it was a, another part of a fantastic night all round. One of the other things I liked at the end, the jerseys or the t shirts that they oh, were yeah. wearing, the one ninety goals, yeah. which weren't for sale at the stadium. Yeah, and I just about that. As someone pointed out, it's like did they have a box of hundred and ninety one? Did they have a box of hundred and ninety two? I guess they can't produce them in yeah. case you
2: scored on the night. Did you see the stuff that, so the V's have, have, are starting a new tradition where they have these
1: paddles made up? Oh, we were they, talking about that because we saw paddles and we were yeah. trying to work out. So the Why the was it paddles?
2: The V's the V's have started this a new tradition that will hopefully every time there's a game hopefully they're going to try and honor some people from the history of when the since the V started in 90 was it 96? 90 something anyways in the 90s um and uh so these are the first three actually there's a fourth paddle that's been that's already been made and will hopefully be given to a player later you, so, you, you can guess who that is but but anyways on the paddle it has the, their name and whatever and the, the voyagers logo and whatever and then these players were also given well mcleod and schmidt were given shirts so i don't know if you saw schmidt said holy schmidt on it
1: no Mac- we were all ushered
2: out by oh, this yeah, okay. we weren't allowed to be so, we were in the area for a bit and then they made us leave uh, Sophie has a shirt that said holy schmidt and then McLeod had a picture of her with the Canada flag or whatever Mohawk oh. thing but underneath it said it said something along the lines of that wasn't six seconds
1: <laughs> uh-huh.
2: and then Sinclair they gave Sinclair one of these jackets I don't know if you've ever seen uh, the jacket that, that Jamie often wears to games it's a red and it's, anyways uh, it looks like a lumber jacket but it's actually a jacket jacket so they gave Sinclair one of those with some oh, stuff nice. embroidered on it and yeah, it was it was a fun way to end the night. And well, I'm so glad
1: you've explained about the paddles because yeah. I had my theory. I can send you pictures of it if you want. Yeah, I, I didn't see any pictures of it, but oh, yeah. I thought it was I thought it was because you're saying to Canada soccer, you're up shit creek without a paddle. Here's three of them. <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, Michael. Yeah, um, yeah, that's an interesting. Interesting way to think about that. But no, um, it's a new, a new new tradition. A uh, massive thanks to everyone. Uh, I won't name them all. You, can, I think there's a yeah. V- please don't.
1: We're already hitting a air there, show. So. <laughs> there's a
2: there's a Voyagers newsletter coming out that I think mentions all the people kind of who were involved in helping both create and deploy uh, some of the you know get things going in the deployment and stuff. Um, so check that out. I, I don't know if that's going to be well if you're a V, I think it gets emailed to you, but they'll probably post it on the website or something. But no, there were so many there were so many people who. Uh, so thank you to the people who fundraised, thank you to people who designed and, and came up with the concept and all that kind of stuff, and then also um, the people who created and deployed and, yeah, just made it all all possible.
1: Good night all round. Obviously got the scoreline as well, and another clean sheet, which is important as the team moves it, into
2: 2024. It was, I know the game wasn't, like, crazy exciting, but I think for Bev Priestman considering all the emotions and whatever, and considering the drastic uh, improvement in in terms of the squad that was on the pitch for Australia, I think Mm -hmm. she has to be really happy with these two games. Well, she was. I mean, she said
1: afterwards, we'll hear a little bit from Bev in a sec, that she she felt was a good balance mm -hmm. in sending people off the right way Mm -hmm. whilst also looking to the future. And the clean sheet is particularly... Or well, the two clean sheets is particularly what, what pleased her. So in fact let, let's just hear a little bit just now from Bev Priestman. Just what she's taken from these two games into twenty twenty four, another big year with the Olympics coming and the chance to defend her goal.
5: Bevelot has been made of the offensive side of the formation, all the goals, but like you mentioned, three straight clean sheets, two goals conceded in the last six. How important is it for for you and the team to see that this aggressive formation can also yield defensive results
4: as much as offensive
6: Yeah, absolutely. I think it's the formation, but I also think we've got back to the behaviours, no matter what the formation, when the ball's given away, been really aggressive to win it back. It was our DNA, it always has been. And I think, you know, reflecting on the World Cup with a lot of things going on, I think in many ways we lost our way in that sense and it's back. I mean, you can see it, you can feel it. Mindset to defend is there and it's led by, you know, I used the example today, Sophie Schmidt, I remember in the Victoria game, makes a 50-yard recovery run. And by the way, she's just got out of a car from travelling across country and she could still do it. So, I think, yeah, it's in the DNA, and we need it's a, it's a massive part. How we defend is how we attack, because I think it gives us intensity in attack and in defending. And uh, we celebrate clean sheets just like we do goals. Further on to Alex's question, with that in
4: mind,
5: and now that the, the field for the Women's Olympic football tournament is starting to take shape, especially with teams in Europe qualifying, uh, how important is building that way and wanting to play? Fit to the kind of
4: opposition you're facing, the qualities you'll be
6: up against. Yeah, and I think that's been great for us. You know, we played Jamaica more of a, you know, four four two block. Then we played Brazil, who matched us up in our shape, and then we played Australia Day, who were the block, but you know, with a jumping winger. So we're getting exposure to different shapes and problems, and I think that's going to be critical. If I remember going into Tokyo, we got a similar exposure in a shape that we were learning. And that'll be our planning now to, between now and and the Olympic Games is to get exposure to as much different problems as we can. So no matter who we face in big moments, we can pick that up and, you know, go and apply that. But very much, you know, these windows have been about building. I feel like we're building. And I've got to say faces this window, you know, young players have come in, done very well. And some people are just continuing to deliver um, against top teams. And I think really starting to secure some things. So, yeah, overall, I I can't be any happier that I've got a good balance of sending people off in the right way and looking towards the future. And I think we're in a great space to head in uh, 2024. I said to the players today, when you're eating your Christmas dinner or in your holiday dinner, um, you know, we've, we've had a tough year, a very, very tough year. And what matters the most is actually how much we've reapplied ourselves, got back up. You know, I talked about the qualities of Sophie and sync. They've had moments, dead last in the World Cup, you know, that bronze medal match that they had to get up for in 2012, all those moments, it makes you tough. And I think those qualities are really, really important in, in this bounce back. And I've seen that in the group. that has been a turn and we're on it and we're ready for 2024. Bev, obviously tonight
5: was my colleague night for Vancouver River Canada, send off of two legends. But after tonight, what is the mindset for yourself and for the team going into 2024, starting as soon as
6: January? Yeah, I think, listen, firstly, Vancouver's my home and put on an incredible show. I think that's that's the first thing. It was unbelievable. Couldn't have asked for anything better. And then our mindset, I think people need a bit of staff. You know, we had a very quick turnaround from that World Cup and it's been nonstop since in a good way. Exactly what we wanted was to fill every FIFA window. Um, but I think to to take the time to stop, reflect, get some learnings together, to hit the ground running in 2024. It's going to be a massive year, starting with the Gold Cup, but then the Olympic Games. We know how dear that is to so this team's heart. So it'll be turning up ready come January to go again.
4: Um, this might be a quick one, but right before the game, someone put out a report and you put your name in for the Montreal job. Just to be would comment on that.
6: Yeah, that. Uh, Mari actually told me about that. That's not true. I think I absolutely love this team and I'm actually trying to commit myself to the future for the 2027 World Cup. Um, yeah, I mean, moments like tonight only remind you how special the people are in this team, not just as footballers, and I absolutely love them. So it's not true.
1: Bev Priestman, there, just talk about what she's taken from these two games. Happy with scoring, happy with the clean sheets. She feels very comfortable and happy heading into 2024. She talked about what a tough year this has been, and it's been such a busy year and a long year, yeah. but that they wanted to make sure that they had games in all these windows to get ready and there'll be some games in preparation. They've got the CONCACAF Women's Gold Cup coming up in February. They've got mm-hmm. the Olympics as well in the summer. The She Believes Cup I Believe is also going to be happening again, but probably getting pushed back a bit later in the year than usual. The The last question in the audio that I played there was, I don't know if you had seen this before the game, Zach, but rumours were coming out of Montreal that Bev Priestman had oh, yeah. yes, uh, yeah. in the mix for the CF Montreal job. And she was asked about it, and she's like, no truth in it whatsoever. And she's actually looking to get extended to take her through to the 2027 World Cup. Good night all round for Bev. Everything was good. Project 8, we're talking. Diana Matheson was on the TSN broadcast. So she's hoping a big bulk of these 48,000 fans will come out and watch the new league. Again, as I always say, it's a different crowd for international games to league games. And this is a special occasion. But if you can capture Mm. a, a good percentage of these fans, then the league would be in a healthy state. She mentioned that Project 8 planned to announce the league's name in the first half of the year and that two more teams will be confirmed by February with expectations that all team rights could be sold by February, March next year. She was asked about Ryan Reynolds and could he be somebody that would invest in the league and it was a very... Just how she reacted to that. My initial thought was, you've been talking to Ryan Reynolds. Mm-hmm. But then she kind of went away and went, well, oh, it's still time if he wants to get involved, but he'll need to do it quick. But just, she was really caught off guard, it felt. Yeah, yeah. I would not be surprised if he is going to be an investor in this league.
2: That would be interesting.
1: They need folk like that to come in with money, so we'll see. Sticking on Canadian soccer, the nominees came out. Canada Soccer announced their Player of the Year nominations for the annual Player Awards. Media can vote a top three from a short list, and you've got to get your votes in. I think by Tuesday or Wednesday this week. On the men's side, the nominees are Tejon Buchanan, Jonathan David, Alfonso Davies, Stephen Astachio Alistair Johnston, Ishmael Coney, Kyle Larin. Richie Larea, and Kamal Miller. For me, my top three, I, I think Fonzie's going to get it because yes. there's so many media that's like, oh, Alfonso okay, okay. Davies. Yeah. Who, who would you have third?
2: Well, my third, actually, I'm a little torn between... Yeah, I
1: am actually in the third as well.
2: So I'm going not by name. I'm going by... my. I think my standard is going to be a little different. I'm keeping Alfonso out of it. I'm keeping Jonathan David out of it. I think my third... I'm torn between Alistair Johnson and Tejon Buchanan.
1: Ah, see, I've gone for Tejon Buchanan. But that's number because th- I've gone for Alistair Johnson as number two. Okay. My number two, so yours is Johnson. My number two is Ishmael Kone. He just missed my top three. It, it, it was a toss-up with Kone and Buchanan for me.
2: And number one, are we both going to the stack, Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think it has to be.
2: Yeah.
1: He's had such a great season with Porto. He's done yeah. well with, with Canada. I mean, it's surely got to be him.
2: You also saw one of the, I mean, the number one thing I would still probably say is John Herdman's comments about Croatia, but the, one of the undoings of the World Cup was Estakio not being fully fit to play yeah. Croatia, right? I went back, uh, I, I haven't, I, I don't know if I'd mentioned this to you, but one of the awful things about PVRing things is they have a time limit where they go away. So all my World oh, Cup games... you're on TELUS. Uh, I'm not on TELUS at this moment. Um. Anyways, they they. I, I don't know if it's. I don't think. I don't know. It's matter who you're with. I think it's the company, like TSN or whatever. Really? No.
1: Oh. Ah. Well. See. I don't know about sport. I've had movies and stuff on my oh. PVR for years. Oh yeah. This,
2: this. I don't know about movies. This is. I'm just So the World Cup. All the games after one year, they start to come off. So I tried to watch some games, uh, from 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 Doha that either I was at that I you know wanted to see from the TV angles or mm. games I wasn't at. And uh I only got to watch a few of them because I haven't had time. But one of the ones I did watch was Canada Croatia at the Khalifa. And um man, we were so good for about 35 minutes. Yeah. In that in that game. And one of the one of the things that was huge was Estacchio. And one of the things that let us down was Estacchio's injury and also and also how do I say this kindly? Because it's someone I love and respect. Um Atiba having lost a step or two. <laughs> right? Like and that. Being like, punished. Yeah. We, we yeah. were punished for severely. I mean, two of the goals, I think, came from, as a result of that. But yeah, I think, yeah, anyways,
1: the, the, over to me, yeah. Is, is, I is, haven't easily. watched that back actually since the World Cup, that particular game. Canada Soccer Women's National Team nominees. Yes. Yeah, so they let's go are Khadisha Buchanan, Jesse Fleming, Vanessa Gill, Chloe Lacasse. Ashley Lawrence, Adriana Leon, Michelle Prince, Jade Rose, and Kaylin Sheridan, also known as Buddy the Elf.
2: Oh yeah, that's that, a, that was she was so amazing. good.
1: Amazing. She was so good. I was hoping I could get a, a chance to ask her about that after the match, but oh wow, she was f- fantastic in that. Okay, this is going to be interesting. Yeah, this is a this is a tough one for
2: me. Okay, I know who my number one is. Who's your number uh, one? No, oh, no, I don't want to tell you. Let's go three. Oh, okay. okay. Uh, I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to do those other ones, because I might I might have some I, of the playing time wrong for some I've, of these I've got right.
1: two and one. It's my third that I'm really kind of struggling with. I'll. I'll... Okay, I'll, I'll do what I
2: did last time. I'll have two for three. Okay, so my number three? Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with, um, and again, the people who watched uh, these matches closer than I have uh, think I'm crazy. That's that's okay. Uh, please forgive me. Please be gracious. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with my three. I'm going to go with a tie between uh, Vanessa Jill and Jesse Fleming.
1: I, I've got Jesse Fleming or Chloe Lacasse. That's my your number three? Yeah. Okay.
2: Interesting. Okay, who's your number two?
1: Well my, I'll I'll take my two and my one. It's like Ashley Lawrence and Kadisha Buchanan okay I but have, I've probably gone with Buchanan two and Lawrence one.
2: I have Lawrence two and I actually have Chloe Lalas. Chloe La oh. is number one. I think I think again, this isn't limited viewing and highlights and whatever. I think what she did. Benfica was huge and to get the move she did was was huge I think see, I, I was, never
1: saw her play for Benfica at all oh uh, I well, I've only I've seen, I've only seen, I've only
2: seen some I've only seen some highlights um I think she was one of the players who was unfortunately underused uh in at the World Cup uh I think we, we you got to see glimpses of her uh in in the the these the Australia friendlies and uh, the, uh was the Brazil friendlies um uh, and I I just yeah I I there's so much upside I think that yeah the move that she's made I think she's done she's done well and that's just who I would vote. Interesting. But I might be again I might be wrong. People might be yelling at their their, yeah, their probably right at, saying at saying, role, saying so. you know whatever it's Jill or Fleming or whatever or, or better or you see Buchanan, yeah uh, Buchanan does Buchanan start? Uh, she left Leon because she wasn't starting right. Did she start every game for Chelsea? That's what I. I forgot to check that. I don't know. I've
1: not watched tons of the WSL this year. Anyways, Mm.
2: let us us know what you think. Who's your
1: 3-2-1? Tweet at Michael. He loves it. I do. They'll be getting announced before Christmas anyway. Last bit of international chat. The Copa America draw was done. Now, I PVR'd it. I completely forgot it was on. And then I saw so many folk saying this draw has been an hour and nothing's happened yet. And I was like, oh, I'll just look to see what the draw was. I cannot be bothered watching this then. So I just basically looked it up and it's Canada. If they get through, how shit is it as well? You've got a draw and it's like playoff winner as opposed to having Canada's name in there. Oh, like Canada or Trinidad or Tobago? Yeah. But didn't even say that. I just said playoff winner.
2: Well, the World Cup is, did that too. They're like, I know, but playoff yeah, winner one. Oh, or, no. Yeah. I,
1: it's not them wording it like that. It's the fact that Canada's not in the actual draw. Yeah, yeah, By yeah. right now is what I'm meaning. It's right, like you right. wanted to see Canada. You wanted a ball picked out that had Canada on it, which I, I believe once I get my citizenship, that's what I have to get a tattoo <laughs> something like that. But Canada in a group with Argentina, Peru, and Chile. They play Messi and Co. in Atlanta. They play Peru in Kansas City. And they play Chile in Orlando. If we get there. But yeah. I think it's still a big if.
2: Well, I, I think you both think that because they don't have to be just one country.
1: <laughs> exactly. Two countries are like up against. And that's going to be tough for them. I mean, they struggled against one Jamaica. Oh, oh all, talking, off, on accord. Yeah, talking of yeah, talking off Jamaica. I, I saw there was a, a Caribbean party. Your wife was at a Caribbean party. Oh no, <laughs> yeah. That's we were right. all wearing Jamaica t-shirts, well, and I was, was going to say, was, I was uh, going to leave a message on her Instagram, going, "Did you wear that off your own accord?" <laughs> and I thought she might not have any idea. No, okay, so
2: here's the deal. So my wife's staff Christmas party this year was Caribbean-themed. Caribbean. Yeah, that too. And and so her and a few of her uh, friends from work, they made up Jamaica bobsled team T-shirts, you know, cool runnings. Yeah. And so the four of them, they made these shirts, and they took pictures with them and whatever. But, yeah, it was, like, jerk chicken and whatever big... Caribbean I was, I was
1: stunned when Justin Trudeau turned up. He seemed to misunderstand what was going on, but No, sorry, yeah, no, that was uh that was it? Was, was that Thursday night?
2: I think it was th- yeah, Thursday night. Yeah. I'm
1: glad I didn't leave that comment now.
2: No, I, she would have been like, um the lock. have been like the guy from <laughs> the guy from the podcast posted on my thing. Do you know what this means? <laughs> you like, You don't want to know not have don't listen. <laughs> Oh my poor family! At least they most, I
1: they mostly sleep through through all this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Caitlin's fast asleep still. She did wake up at some point during this long recording. I, I'm disappointed in the venues for Copa. I yeah. was hoping for something closer. But... I was
2: surprised. I know it's not the biggest of grounds, but I was, I'm a little surprised Seattle's not.
1: Yeah, a part I, of it. I'm surprised Argentina's not in Florida. At least for the well, they are. I guess for. For some of the yep. games, but it's like I thought they would have made it Argentina was in Florida for all three of their matches. <laughs> but I I am tempted to go to Atlanta partly to see Messi play Argentina, that would be amazing. Um, I'd like to see Atlanta's you, want to see, Messi, you oh, said, yeah. want to see Messi
2: play Argentina?
1: <laughs> Sorry, yeah, I'm thinking of the Canadian Messi, <laughs> yeah, Ryan Gold. Is he'll he be eligible. He'll be, qualif- he'll be eligible, but then why well, not? I don't know. It's Copa anything goes, probably. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, they're letting Canada into Copa America, so just let Ryan Gold in as well. But now that would be a fun game. You've been to Atlanta. You were telling me you were there for the Olympics. I was there in '96 for the Olympics. You yeah. were in the hammer competition. You said
2: no, no, shot put. No, no. Uh, I, I, I only watched. I, I only watched. I can't even remember what I watched now. Not football, unfortunately. I wish I could have watched the
1: football. I noticed for the Paris World Cup this year, because normally to get media accreditation for the Olympics, you have to have this membership, and it's all through your IOC governing body that approves, blah, blah, blah. But they're doing a soccer-specific media for the Paris Olympics. And I was like, oh, that would be interesting for 28 in L.A.,
2: I was uh, actually the the one thing I remember from being at Atlanta as I was there when that there's been a movie about this or whatever when that bomb that bomb went off oh I was uh, I was in the suburbs and um, driving away
1: from your (laughs) misdeeds
2: no no I'll tell it's a longer story I'll tell you the story yeah let's not on the podcast podcast, but no I I remember I remember that well
1: Well, that is it for our football chat, but it's not it for this show, even though you wish it was. We've got this episode's wavelength. And tying in with the Copa Draw, I've gone with a song that is Maradona (laughs) Argentina-related. It's from a band that we've played before. They are from out of London. They're called Sir Robert Orange Peel. And this is a song from their 2021 album, Gordon Bennett. They're a London-based instrumental band, but they use samples. And I love these kind of songs, where it's got a beat to it, and it's sampling commentary, oh, or... I know you love them. talking. Yeah. Oh, I have so many of them that I have never played in Wavelength. I, th- I think you'll enjoy this one. It's a song called A Soccer Ball Is Worth More Than 100 Rifles, And it stems from a comment that Maradona told Vatican Radio, bizarre in itself, where he said, I think we all feel something in our hearts when we see wars, when we see the dead. I think this match will put to rest the notion that we soccer players don't do anything for peace. A soccer ball is worth more than a hundred rifles. And concerning everything. That is going on mm. in the world just now I think that's a beautiful sentiment Here's Sir Robert Orange Peel A soccer ball is worth more than a hundred rifles Sir Robert Orange Peel there. As I said, I love these kind of songs, and they've got a couple of football related albums worth of them. We've played a couple already, we'll have more of them to come. That is it for Wavelength. Pretty much it for the show. Any final thoughts from you, Zach? Any fun things caught your eye this week?
2: Um, looking forward to now, there's all the North American football's over, the international stuff's over. This next week for me is actually quite crazy busy So I'm looking forward to I don't know, once the, once the 21st comes Then I, I'm looking forward to A lot of nice family time and...
1: and recording our Christmas special My way to end the show Continuing the women's soccer theme That we've had in part Did you see what happened In the UEFA Nations League in the women's side
2: Does it have to do with Scotland? Yeah Then no
1: Right. Well, tell me more. It's the last round of games. In a group, there is Scotland, England, Belgium. Oh, I think I did hear about this,
2: actually. Yeah, I did
1: hear about this. England had to thump Scotland to get through, but also book their place at the Olympics. Now, playing into that is the fact that it's a team GB at the Olympics, so Scotland players can be in it. So the Dutch weren't happy and they said that Scotland would just lay down for them and the Scottish girls were so offended at that thought. So they they let six goals in on Tuesday night. You would have thought that would have been enough. England just had to score, I think it was three more goals than Holland did. So going into stoppage time, England were in the Olympics, Holland were out, Holland scored two stoppage time goals, including a 95th minute winner, because their game, second half, miraculously didn't start at the same time as the England game, it got a slight delay, so they knew exactly what they had to do, England are out, Team GB's not in the Olympics, and I'm delighted for it, because I think it was a horrible situation, and for UEFA to even create that, putting Scotland and England in the same group, was just ridiculous.
2: Yeah, with with those kind of ramifications, those things on the line, it felt really, really awkward oh. that they would allow that to yeah. happen. And uh it I mean, it's reminiscent of was it the eighty two
1: World Cup? Algeria, Germany. As I yeah, like yeah. to bring up to Axel all the yeah. time.
2: Yeah. Or you just also, need the draw, let's play for the draw.
1: Yeah, there's been a couple of other kind of similar games, but I mean this this was shocking. But for Scotland to say we're not laying down and then they'll give up six goals, it's like it's really hard to put your case forward. I will say, though, England were good and Scotland were absolute shit in the game, but yeah. they were just completely outplayed because they're just yeah. not on I did Sorry, level, I, did, like, I did hear
2: about that this yeah. week.
1: Yeah, oh, crazy stuff. But that is it for this show. Hope you've enjoyed it. It's been another long one, but we've covered a lot, and it'll get you three through this week as we build up to Christmas. Go get yourself an eggnog muffin, sit back and enjoy it all. We'll be back with another episode soon. Until then...